At Coco Talk, we'd like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show, so our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Al Hartman, Alan Murphy, Alan Huffman, Amigos Retro Gaming, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Eric Canales, Gren Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunk, Michael Pitsley, Rick Eulett, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., Tim Lindner, and Tony C. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Leader, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Coco Talk, the only show in the world featuring David Ladd. It's time to grease your weasel and do whatever yo pleasel, because we're about to rock your 8-bit world. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of Coco Talk Live. We're bringing you episode 203, where we will present you with some superior programming, y'all. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. And we've already got a full house out there in the live chat already so we have got mark bosley nick marota kevin holloway l curtis boyle sixy tjb chris david craker terry steen jim rye tom eric gunderson and scott cooper are all out there already and the show has just begun and now on to the best part of the show good night everybody All right, so, and we're back for a bonus episode. Uh, <laughs> it never gets old, done. does it? Never gets old. Never we now gets have old. the best episode, though. 203 was the best. That was 203B it. is on. That's now 203B, it. yeah. And 3B or not 3B. Uh, so we got a panel for you. We got some people here. We're going to talk about something, probably the Commodore 64. Uh, but oh, man, from like your dog. Bye. <laughs> From sunny Arizona, Paul T. Barton is with us. Hello, Paul. Thank you for being here. Hey, sir. how you doing? Good. Thanks for being here. We got our backup streamer and engineer, Mr. Mark Bose. He's with us. Hello, Hello. Mark. We've got Rick Eulen in the house. Hey, Rick. 
Slay, do we get scale for both episodes then? You do. You get scale. You get scale. <laughs> it's a, it's a, step it's on the scale. Yeah. Step on it's the a scale. pretty light scale. That's all. Yeah. I'll say. <laughs> step on the scale, whatever number it says. Divide that by zero. That's what you're getting paid. Uh, and then we have the webmaster of the Glenside Color Computer Club, Eric Canales, is here. Hey, Eric, how you doing, man? Hey, how's it going? All right. This guy makes cables that provide fuzzy 80-column text. You know him as the maker of the switcheroo, Jason Reichert. How you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. I've got my visor. I've got my Diet Dr. Pepper. Well, we might we we may need a virtual David Ladd if he doesn't show up here in the next minute or two. So get your best David Ladd voice ready. I'm excited. <laughs> Our news anchor, the guy who makes Michael Furman super duper happy of all his news, Al Curtis Boyle's here. Hello, Ar uh, Al Curtis. How are you? And by super duper happy, we mean sleepy as hell. <laughs> yeah. The host of the Game On Challenge. His name is so nice. We must say it thrice. Stop right there. It's none other than... Nick Marona. You see what I did there, Nick? Didn't see that one yes, coming? Yes. All right. I did not. That's All how right. I didn't react now. That's it. You've <laughs> ruined it for me. How you doing, Nick? Oh, I'm doing great. It's great to be here, man. It's great to have you. He's got his sunglasses on. He's looking like uh should be part of Chips or something there. But from sunny Arizona, the neighbor of Paul Barton, it's Ron Devo. How's it going, everybody? Oh, it's going, sir. And a special how you doing up there to uh, my uh, neighbor. That's it. Alan Murphy's what they say, Alan? Howdy, howdy. The music man himself, Brian Schubring, is here. Hello, Brian. Hello, hello, hello. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you. This next guy here is known for saying, Oh, crocky. The Thunder from Down Under, Nicholas Morantes. Good eye, Nick. Good eye, world. Good eye, good eye. And we have a special guest. For us, somebody who's never been on the show and volunteered to come on the show, actually even asked to be on the show. So, this is your, listen, this is your fault, dude. But we're going to spotlight this guy here, and we're going to play This Is Your Life. On Discord, he is on there as uh, Henry No Nick, and you say your last name is pronounced Gernhardt, Henry Gernhardt? Yeah, Gernhardt. Welcome to the program, Henry. How are you? Yeah, I hope I don't regret this, but I am a glutton giver for punishment. <laughs> you learn quickly. <laughs> You'll fit right in. Oh, good. And uh, so tell us about what you did back in the day, if you were even alive when the Coco was new, and then tell us what you're doing now in the retro. Home. Oh, my goodness. Um, I was, <laughs> we had just come back down from the lower 48, or from uh, from Alaska, Mm. when yeah because i did most of my growing up I, I did my earliest years of my life i remember from the yukon delta of alaska dad was an early adopter of technology actually did the devry build of a console television set so when we moved back to the lower 48 he gets into the computing scene and next thing you know i'm in first grade and there's a original 4k coco one you know from vintage 1980 1981 something like that sitting there and we start playing with it that was my introduction to actually playing with computers was at coco one cool. with original color basic teaching myself color basic on it dad expanded it to 64k with Wolfbug, and that i taught myself 6809 assembly language around the age of 10 never did anything useful with it <laughs> but um at least i you know i got to understand hexadecimal binary bit masking how registers worked and 
you know, that's still something I still think in hex whenever I think computing stuff. I, I like you, you hand me a poke with a desk with more than three digits or you hand me a poke with more than three digits for a byte value. I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> but yeah, and um, I haven't really, I haven't really gone into the professional realm with computing, but as far as like doing major programming or anything, but computers have been a part of my life the whole time. We were a Tandy family. We had a Model 3 for the business computer, for dad's business computer. Mom picked up a 4P. Mom actually worked for the computer for the computer center as a, the first systems engineer wow. in Huntington, West Virginia. Um, and our first PC clone was, I believe, it was the 3000, um, the AT, for the AT that they had. Oh, we wow. never had the, yeah. High end, man. Yeah, so we were we were like bought into Tandy. Since then, um, well, of course, the PCs have happened. Things have gotten uh, things have gotten better uh, over the course of years. I've learned the whole LAMP stack. Um, I know that. It, I mean, I can basically write an e-commerce site from scratch these days. Wow, that's impressive. Um, yeah, it's I I have already done it once. <laughs> um, but I've looked at getting, I looked at getting back into 8-bit probably about the time I picked up, I started playing with uh, actually a, uh, an Arduino. And I'm sitting there looking at this Arduino and there's all this, C, there's all this C code and they're pulling in libraries. And I'm like, now just hang on a minute here. Why do I have like 15K of code that I don't need? And start playing in <laughs> that and start playing with the assembler and realize that, you know, I'm having fun with 8-bit again. And I start going and looking at what I played with in the past and pulled up the color computer. And there it is on color computer archive. Uh, I can play it online. I can get XROAR, I can get MAME up and running. And all of a sudden, I think the, I think the game that did it for me was, I can't remember the name of it now. But it was an old cart. It was a cartridge game, the one where you warped between the different locations, and you know killed the aliens before they destroyed your bases. Project Nebula, Arbillies, or Project, Project Nebula. Nebula. It was yeah. Project Nebula, ah, and name. I'm like, I remember this sound. And then Cashman, I'm like, I remember this sound. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, so it's back. It it's back into that game, looking at the way the hardware is put together in a way that I never did when I was ten years old, and just having fun with it absolutely hey henry yeah well what's the significance of the radio shack in your screen there oh it's i want what i wanted to do was i wanted to find an action like a good picture of a computer center because that's like my computing history is my childhood computing history is going to where mom worked at that radio shack and seeing the model twos um, playing around with the 16, you know, the big ones with the eight inch drives. That was the one that I wanted. <laughs> wow. You had expensive tastes. Oh yeah. <laughs> so what did your, uh, what did your folks do? Your mom worked for a radio shack and she was an engineer. What did your dad do if he was also an early adopter of technology? Dad, dad wound up being the house spouse. Um, but he did, he did run a home business and where we lived in the, where we lived in a university community, he was able to basically offer word processing as a service so oh, like man. yeah and this is like in the this is in the mid 80s early 80s and 
folks around going to Marshall, they're still tapping away on their typewriters, having to retype an entire sheet. And he's using that as a sales pitch saying, hey, if you use word processing, I can provide this for you. And if you have, you know, if you have errors, I can fix it and you don't have to go through and like redo everything. And in the pre-PC era, you know, and the yeah. era when, yeah, when you're looking at several thousand dollars just to be able to put a, com a printer on a computer. Right. No, that's that's brilliant, man. Outsourcing, you know, pay, paying off your investment. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Neat. And so how long, you've been on Discord for a while now because we've seen you around. You're, you're taking part in the Game On Challenge now, too. So that's great. So you've kind of jumped into the <clears throat> uh, Coco Hobby now, both feet, right? <laughs> pretty much. It's it's like I'm looking at eBay. It's like, um, do I really want to spend this money on this, considering that currently I live in basically a small studio? And how am I going to right. set up? Space is a yeah. premium, right? Exactly. <laughs> cocoa pie for the win, man. That's the most the most cocoa in the least amount of square inchage. It'd be the cocoa pie. So, <laughs> well, one of the thoughts is how. One of the thoughts is like. Can I take the can I take what's there in a Coco One and figure out a way to just it's probably already been done, but you know, figure out a way to tell it to get it to bank switch between like eight K or four K banks of RAM so you end up with four megabytes on there. I think, there I think there is. There's a five twelve K board that does it, the Moo Coco or Dragon Moo or something that does do bank switching on the Coco yeah. one and two. The Moo and the Coco PSG. Okay. okay. So yeah, cool. Well, we're glad to have you and feel free to chime in at any time. You're going to talk with us later, too, when we get into a little, when we get into our project updates, we're going to talk about Cocoa development. So different ways to program on the okay. Cocoa, uh, which we'll also have Eric Canales. We'll be, we'll be showing off some of Eric Canales's new development tool that he's working on. And uh, there's and, and guess what? There's a Discord channel for it, too. So because we, we did an independent survey and determined there weren't enough channels on Discord already. So we created another one. Um, we have also, uh, we've been joined. More people have joined us on the panel. The panel keeps getting better. Uh, did I see a David Ladd sighting here a minute ago? We did. David Ladd, are you there? Hello, everyone. And how is everybody doing this great and fine day? Oh, I'm doing just fine, David Land. We're very excited to have you here. We've had a few more people join us in the live chat, too. So I believe I mentioned Tom, Eric Gunderson, and Jim Rye. Dave and Sharon, that's Mr. Dave, has joined us. Scott Cooper has joined us. I believe we already said hi to Frederick D. Provencia. Hello. And then Terry Steen is here. Ken Reichert is here. Canadian Retro Things is here. AC's 8-Bit Zone and uh, oh. frodo has joined us hello frodo and ken reichard and canadian retro thing so thanks all for joining us in the live viewing of the program um so we're here we got things to talk about things to cover today and i believe we're going to go ahead and just keep the train moving paco atakte is out there and, and ron delvo says hi on facebook and so yeah it's just the, the, the warmth and, and, and communal spirit here just continues to grow. But we're going to jump into um, one of Nick Marotta's favorite parts of the show. And that's in the, the news already? That's oh, the part of the show where, you know, he gets to, you know, hog the stage for quite some time. Gets his name mentioned all the time. But more importantly, 
It always starts off with Rondell Vaux's favorite part of the show, and that is a Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Rondell Vaux's a big fan. I believe you started a fan site for uh, Samuel Gimes, didn't you? Um, and so uh, no. you started a Facebook group. <laughs> Rondell Vaux started a Facebook uh, group. My favorite, my favorite Samuel Gimes song no. parodies. No? Okay. Maybe I got you confused. It's just, it, it, it's just Somebody... one of those fans, metal fans without a cage around it, I think. <laughs> no. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to see what Samuel Gimes has been up to this week. And then that will oh, fe- boy. feed into uh, the oh. game on results. Okay, get ready. Brace yourselves, mm-hmm. everyone, for Coco Thoughts. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. I can't get no where is that song. <laughs> I can't get no where is Zach's on? Cause I die, and I die, and I die, and I die. I can't get no. I can't get no. When I'm lying in my ship, and I'm dodging the gun emplacement, they're sending me more and more. Then some useless red or towers Supposed to drive knowledge of the powers I can't get no Oh no, no, no Hey, hey, hey Bad words I say Bad words I say, I like that I can't get no Where is that song? I can't get no Where is that song? Cause I die And I die And I die And I die I can't get no I can't get no When I'm watching my fuel gauge And a missile comes and shows me How white my shorts won't be but I can't understand Shooting the tank Get some more jet fuel to me I can't get no Oh no, no Hey, hey, hey Bad words I say <laughs> I can't get no Where is that song? I can't get no robot action Cause I die And I die And I die And I die I can't get no I can't get no Oh my Wow Bad words That's I say. Bad words I say. I'm gonna be singing that for the rest of the week. Oh my goodness! Yeah, isn't it funny that how was good your memory gets rewritten sometimes when you hear when you hear a song parody that's so good you want to rewrite the original lyrics and um, that definitely does it. That's Weird Al level right there. That is right there. So that's awesome. No, I had to. I had that cron song stuck in my head for a couple of weeks. Cron, cron, cron. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> 
And um, Frederick Preventia says, I was planning on making the run at the high score in Zaxxon, but then my Coco experienced a hardware problem and is currently out of commission. I'm using VCC, oh. but that's nearly impossible playing Zaxxon with a PC mouse. All right. so Yes, it is. Challenge that's accepted. Right. Right? James Diffendaffer says, a song about my results in Zaxxon. Uh, <laughs> and uh, 60 great. says, he even spelled missile. All right. Jim Rice says, a new classic. <laughs> David Lord had a hardware problem too. Sixty says any nuclear missiles, and then James James Difference after says you cannot unhair that. Okay, good stuff, good times. Thank you, Samuel Gimes, for always raising the bar on that. So how about some results? The game of this week was Zaxxon. Let's see how the community did. High score challenge. All right, and welcome to another week of results. This week we played Zaxxon with Ooh, black 30 background. scores submitted. Boat of Car, 4,300. Gary M, 7,500. Ben VR Drake's, 9,500. 30 players. Mark B, 17,900. Yeah, that's good. Jim mm-hmm. Rye, 20,900. Coco Discord user, 22,700. Ken Reichard, 23,000. Just Mike, 24,900. Brian Weasler, 26,100. Digital Bytes, 26,400. Catlord, 26,600. Close race. Henry Nonick, 27,700. Snoopy, 29,800. Terry Steen, 30,200. Welcome, Tom Terry. C, 36,200. Rich N, 39,200. Joshua Craker, 41,900. R.L. and Murphy, 46,600. Canadian Retro Things, 52,800. David Ladd, 61,400. <laughs> Me, 69,800. Paul Shoemaker, 71,000. Mr. Dave, 78,500. Nice job, Mr. Robin Dave. Robin Min, 82,500. Buck Owens, 84,200. David Craker, 96,300. Nice scores. L. Curtis Boyle, 97,500. Right before supper. Guillermo, 97,700. <laughs> Just after, actually. Diego, 117,900. Uh-oh. And the number one score this week belongs da, 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 da. to Tasman. Oh, one, two, three. Now, what if you had got like great one, two, three, four, four five? That would have been really cool, right? Everybody who participated. One, two, three, yeah. five, oh. But yeah. Tasman. Wow. Good job, hey, man. Hey. Some great scores. A lot of participants. 30 participants. That's probably a good a new a new high for the past few weeks anyways right oh absolutely i think we hit a 31 on one game but i, I think that's uh that was only one time so the 30 is uh definitely so do you think it was the game or just the luck i think so luck, luck of people's time this week having more time well we had a couple new people join us we had terry steen was new i believe and we had uh, uh guillermo who was the brother of uh, diego or mm-hmm. i think it was brother uh or a friend or i can't remember and uh so we had a couple new people excellent and which is always great absolutely and uh yeah i think it's a popular game i mean zaxxon I, I, that's one of the that's another one of the top tier games for the coco one and two yeah i'm one of the one of the only especially in the early days official arcade ports that radio shack themselves sold so it was quite popular 
So can you see my screen okay? Yeah. Let's, okay, I great. want to say a quick hello to Chris from Belgium. Big fan of your waffles out there, Chris. All right. So, uh, so Belgium, here, are the, man, here are the scores from Rainbow. Take them as you will. Two million. I oh don't know. Oh, my gosh. Very possible. <laughs> Completely possible. But I just report the scores. I don't. I don't um, make them up. So there we go. That's what. That's what the score was in Rainbow. I bet we know how we got that one. Oh yes, actually, yeah. We'll talk about that for sure. Uh, and then there, there was a review. It was actually a joint review for Zaxxon and Zaxund. And um, apparently, this guy thought that the two games were on equal footing, and whichever one you got, it was a toss-up. I'm not sure I agree with that. I played Zaxxund a bit, and uh, I personally think Zaxxon was far superior but you know that's the, that was my opinion that's his opinion I think that was most people's opinion Zaxxon if I remember it might have come out like a month or two before the Datasoft official one so if you bought it as soon as it was released you might have maybe thought differently but but anyway this guy thought that the Zaxxon anyway was a good game and worth worth purchasing okay so there... once again, we have uh, we have a video from Canadian Retro Things who featured the game on Challenge Game on his channel. Wrong colors, though. Wrong Sorry. colors. Colors. Well, here's one thing I didn't like. The game did not capture the reset vector. So on a Coco 1 or 2, and I do know CRT uses a Coco 3, so he has no excuse. But on a Coco 1 or 2, uh, hitting reset, you go back to base and the, DOS, the OS prompt. So uh, it didn't make it easy to, to correct colors. I don't know why that was like that, because... Steve Bjork normally had the red blue, red blue check in his game. Well, so. most of his stuff was, yeah. This one was originally sold on cassette, though. So I don't yeah. know if that has anything. Only to do sold with on it, cassette, but... as far as Tandy was concerned. It was sold on disc briefly when Datasoft was directly selling it before Tandy picked it up. And that's the other thing. There was actually R. Allen Murphy submitted a score, and he had a different banner. He had a full yeah. graphical Zaxxon banner on his title. That would screen. have been the Datasoft disc. So, uh, so there were definitely more. There was definitely uh, multiple versions of the game. Yeah. Well, DataSoft originally announced Zaxxon for multiple platforms, and it, there was a four-month span. It was January through April of 1983, I think. And they had like the Atari 400, 800 version first, and then there was the Coco and the TI-99, a few others in between. And they released it, and then Tandy picked it up literally within half a year. And I think that's when it changed to the different logo. So it was interesting. During the week, Diego brought something to my attention that I had no idea about. Uh, apparently, and I, I think this is a bug, but there's a, uh, a feature. If you pause the game during the outer space sequence and leave it paused for like a minute or two and then resume the game, the planes that are on the screen fly off and, the, and the, that sequence is over. So you can do that right from the very beginning of the game. And is there much. an official pause key or is this like an emulation pause? No, it's the enter key. Enter key pause. actually pauses. Yep. So if you and pause the key, the planes will go away? Well, the the, the game freezes and sw switches P modes, right? So it's paused. Okay. And then, and after a minute, you resume the game by hitting the space bar or whatever. And it's and the level's over. The planes that are on the screen will just fly off. And then you're at the second fortress. Hmm. You get, so do that, you get bonus points when you do that? No. Okay. So that, so, I mean, you do lose scoring opportunities, but you can, but... From what I understand, the people found the planes to be the more challenging part as the game progressed. So that uh, could be a way the person got two million if they knew about that trick. Although I can't imagine that how long that would have taken, because <laughs> this isn't exactly the highest scoring game. But anyway, uh, so yeah, so that so that said, uh, I believe it's a bug, probably in the way that Steve calculated the uh, the uh, time for the level to to 
to take before the level. Or maybe it maybe the, it didn't pause the timer itself. So if you right. had uh, you know, the timer kept counting even during the pause loop, so it just assumed enough time had passed. Right. I know, I know so, one that Steve Bjork had actually mentioned that was kind of a bug was the fact on the plane screen. If you go to the bottom right, and then you get a steady firing, especially on the first few waves of them, you can actually just maul through all the planes and get your bonus every time without even getting hit. So Later levels, works. they start firing more often. All you have to yeah. do is just stay on that lower right, and as soon as you see a red bullet coming at you from the upper right, just move left to dodge it, move back, and you can just keep going forever and, and keep getting oh. a thousand point bonus. Okay, so that would be a more plausible way to get two million, although I still think it would take forever. But uh, yeah, I do know that that worked the first couple levels. I didn't try it on the on the third and after. I would uh, just start moving around because I didn't think it worked anymore. Yeah, because the spacing, I don't really have any problems with. I can get through that pretty well every time. It's trying to dodge some of the planes on this this screen we're looking at now when they start firing fairly often and trying to dodge in between them to try to get fuel tanks. That's where I would. That's where I usually die. Right. But back in the day, I used to regularly get like one hundred and twenty to one hundred fifty thousand. So can't do it anymore. But. <laughs> you still got 90 or something didn't you yeah that took a few tries though that wasn't all in one shot it's a good looking game though you know yeah it's probably As I mentioned last week this is the game that when we had our uh, everybody bring their home computers to high school type thing on a friday night and we'd stay in the computer lab with all the apple twos and then when people would bring in ataris and Commodore 64s and, and cocos and stuff here this was one that you know most of them finally admitted the coco actually could be a decent game machine this, this one video this video is from Tazman. This is near the end. This was his high score. Win. Yeah, they can see how much the planes are firing at this point. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. It's an insane barrage of uh, lasers at this point. And that's what the colors should look like, too. Oh, leave the guy alone. <laughs> no, can't. I'm a Pierce, man. <laughs> I wonder if he knows about the trick on the Coco 3 about booting up with the uh, or F1. resetting with the F1 key to change the yeah. colors around. Power on or reset with F1 will give you the alternate color set every time. Yeah. That's a nice feature, the Coco 3. And I think oh. pretty much all of Steve's stuff works in the alternate color set on the Coco 3 correctly. Good score. 121,000. Look at that. That's insane. Look at they're just like freaking raining bullets on you, right? Yeah. This is only a 55. I mean, this is only 55,000 right. at this point. So it's, they started pretty early firing at you like crazy. Yeah. Well, the, the plane thing, the fact that you could actually like wail through the planes thing, if you just you know, held a certain position, then you just dodge once in a while when you need it, was something that Steve Bjork actually noticed people doing when we watched people play it. So when he came out with the Coco 3 version Z89, he actually sent those comets and stuff to come after you to make sure you wouldn't stay in the same spot because they would track right to your position. Ah. So he was forcing you to dodge. That was his way of fixing that problem from the original Zaxxon. Right. So yeah, this was a very faithful reproduction of the game. Oh, another another uh, technique people didn't uh, learn about is firing through the force field to make sure you can clear it. Oh yeah, fire ahead of you. If your shot can go through, then you'll get yep, through. Yeah, I had to use that method so frequently. Yeah, yeah, you can do it by the height bar on the left too. And yeah, you know, that's that's also where you figure like where to shoot the Zaxxon robot. You have to be at the you know, fourth tick from the bottom type thing. There's also on, I think, the second island <clears throat> where you've got the short force field in the bottom, the taller part on the top. And then on the left, coming up ahead of that, just past that, is a couple of tanks. <clears throat> if you go down as low as you can, firing before it starts hitting the force field, you can actually kill the tanks while flying through that gap. So you yes. take care of them before they even become a problem. Yes. Yeah, and the trick there to get the best bonus is to blow up the missile while it's still attached to the Zaxxon robot. Yeah, yeah. then you get a 1,000. Uh, then you get a bigger 200. bonus. 
which I think looks like a mailbox, by the way. I don't know if I'm alone in that, but I think Mm. the Zaxxon looks like a mailbox. (laughs) I always thought it looked like a mailbox. (laughs) (laughs) Got a package here for you. That that missile, that that was from the arcade, too. The missile was to try to um, discourage people from just trying to hover above everything, right? So if you stayed up high, a missile would come out after you. Yep. Yeah, because otherwise you're above the uh, the the path of the bullets from both the planes and the tanks, yeah. so you would just never get shot. You'd yeah, just skip them. Something something that I wondered about as a kid, and that I still wonder about to this day, um, it's like the graphic selection. Like in the explosion, every time I see an explosion, I see the number twenty five, and every time I see like oh. the the remnants of stuff, I see the word kiss. Interesting. In this game, or just in in general? In in, in this game, in this right particular there. game, right there, you saw it in the explosion yep. cloud. Yep. Yeah, maybe maybe it's a colorblind test too. <laughs> you know how the colorblind test says you have to see the number twenty nine. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but yeah, interesting. I did. I did. I did. I can kind of see that now that you mention it. Well, yeah, I, if it's a colorblind test, I'm kind of wondering. You know, does it work in PMO three? <laughs> <laughs> Especially in the Puyan palette. So yeah, well, this was an excellent turnout. It really resonated yeah, with the absolutely. And uh, like I said, I'm not surprised because when I think of the top tier Coco one and two games, this is definitely in that list. And um, this game was featured in one of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, although the color was reversed. So there's a little bit of historical uh, recognition going on there. If you've ever seen those YouTube videos of like Coco in the movies and Coco on TV, you'll see those clips where Corey Feldman was playing Zaxxon, or at least had it playing on a Coco in the background or something. So. Oh, and he had the red floor? Yeah, the Instead red floor, the yeah. Maybe that's, what, maybe that's what Ken was going for. Maybe yeah, he right? was paying homage to... <laughs> it's still wrong. Well, like I appreciate box. Ken's videos. I don't listen Absolutely. to Absolutely. No, I'm not knocking him for that. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. And, this, and Tasman, thank you as well for this. You can see the full video in our Discord channel if you're Yeah, interested. great, great playthrough. Yeah full game playthrough yes i appreciate the video contributions that i i receive all yeah, right the, and the longer you make your video contribution the more time nick marona gets to talk during this segment oh absolutely so let's really... watch the whole <laughs> let's watch the whole thing absolutely that's a great idea stevie uh, so uh, uh if unless there's unless there's any other comments we can move on to the reveal of the next week's game uh does anybody have any tips and tricks or stories or anything else they want to share before we move on you said this game was uh uh, uh, resonated with you a lot eh, curtis yeah like i said it was um we used to have these comparisons you know that people would bring all their computers we did this on friday evenings the school would let us stay in the computer lab to like six o'clock in the evening type thing actually once they forgot we were there and locked us in and we were there till 10 we didn't even notice we were locked in because we were having so much fun playing everybody else's games with all the different systems and uh but i mean when i first brought the coco in a lot of people were going this is like a toy machine because we didn't have a lot of impressive games from radio shack and at that very beginning time i didn't know about third party and i didn't know about officially licensed stuff and then we started getting stuff like donkey king and, and zaxxon and a few mm. others and i brought them in they said oh, actually this machine's not bad you know because it was kind of beating the crap out of the apple version so yeah yeah, this is a game that would definitely uh, give Coco owners bragging rights. Another um, Coco talk, there was uh, um, talk about the title where uh, Zaxxon was actually uh, filled out graphically. Yeah. Instead yes. of just. Yeah. So that's, the one big... that, that's the screenshot that, uh, that uh, Alan submitted, had Zaxxon in full graphics. Right. And now, Alan, guess... you said that was the disc version, right? Which is the one that Datasoft directly sold before Tandy got it, right? Yeah. <clears throat> the disc. 
Cool. Cool. Because Tandy never sold the disc version. They only sold it on cassette. And we can thank Marty Goodman for that. <laughs> yeah, that whole story between yeah. him and Steve, that was hilarious. Uh, and Nick Morota. Yes, sir. What are we going to do for an encore? Zaxxon was a very well-received game. It's a very popular game yeah. in the arcade. Uh, how do we top that? I don't know. It's, uh, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I don't know how many more top tier games we have. Uh, but I, I'm, again, I'm looking for suggestions. If people want to send me a direct message with a game suggestion, I'd love to hear it because I'm going by what I played back in the day. But that's only you know. I, I, there's a lot of games I haven't seen yet either. So well, we haven't seen Nightmare Highway on there yet. I don't think have we? Oh yeah, we have. Yeah, we did. Oh, we did. Oh, okay. That's the last episode. We don't. We don't show that anywhere because it's, <laughs> it's so shameful. Have we have we remembered David Ladd's favorite game on the Coco Three? Predator. Uh, Predator. Predator. That will literally be the last game we do if when we're really? trying to want to kill it. Yeah. It'll be Predator. That's the shark. <laughs> that will, that game will be the shark, and once we do it, we have jumped the shark. So. That's right. <laughs> really. Uh, All right. So we ready to talk about next week's game? Oh, I can't wait, Absolutely. Nick Morota. Mm. All right. You're gonna have to share again because I stopped your sharing. So. Oh. Okay. Am I gone? You're not sharing it. You have to just share again. That's all. Oh, okay. There you go. All right. Am I sharing? You're sharing. Yes. We see Zach's okay, on. Okay, great. All right. So the next week's game will be... Dun, 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 dun. Danger Ranger. Danger Ranger, Ranger by Ken Ranger. Gallish. Danger yes. Ooh, good game. Good game. Good choice. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Ken Kalish game. Uh, two, there's two screens on this one. That one and that yeah. one and uh this screen you're basically collecting the keys and if you get to the bottom without collecting the keys you have to go in the elevator which brings you back up to the top and, and then they all the fire key. like mad yeah <laughs> so basically get the keys on the way down is easier and then the second level you're avoiding you you have to uh uh get the get those things whatever. Yeah, get the treasure boxes shoot the masks dodge the acid drops which if you shoot they disappear and restart from their spawn spot which is either the top or the bottom so so and yep it, and it picks up quickly yes like so that, I, if you go back to that first screen uh, nick at the beginning level here you just have the bats and then you get those roving eyes on the side that come after you but later on you get roving eyes that go back and forth in the middle you get more than one bat per and level they shoot uh, lasers at you from side to side and yeah you can just, shoot the roving nuts. eyes and they they, they fall down they flame they yeah. smoke they flame out down. yeah and you get a bit of a pause which is yeah very handy later like in laser beams so there was yep. a, there was a few requests in the live chat too so we had a request for dungeons of daggerath from scott cooper tasman mikey requested color scripts it and then terry <laughs> steen requested touch tomb touch tomb touch tomb so, i've got terry terry steen's uh, in the list because he requested that in uh in uh discord okay. script set is always on the list absolutely i thought we i thought we already did color script set <laughs> <laughs> Daggerath is tough just because there's no spore in it, but we can uh, we can figure that out because it really is a uh, classic game on the Coco. So maybe we'll just uh, maybe we'll just maybe the furthest you can get in a single playthrough something or something like without that. saving or something. I don't know. Yeah, because that would be a shame to to rule that out just because it's not spore based because it really is a classic game. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so that's our game for next week. And thank you, Stevie. Thank you for the fantastic participation, guys. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Whoever's, whoever's keyboarding, um, you're doing a very fine job of that. 
Um, all right, so we're going to take a commercial break, and then we'll be back with Michael Furman's favorite part of the show, snoozing news, eh? And then we got project updates and acquisitions. We got some talking about programming and development tools and all kinds of stuff today on Coco Talk after these words. But everyone's favorite assistant, Fletcher, is up next. After these messages, we'll be right back. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. I need it tonight. But, JT... Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model 100 computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer. Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher. Radio Shack's Model 100. Save $300 and put it to work. You'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> You'll go far. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. On holidays, Uncle JT would entertain us with stories of his business conquests and his assistant who would meet any deadline that he imposed, no matter how ridiculous. Well, until she shot him in the face, that is. Hi, this is the award-winning Alan Huffman of Subby the Software, and you're watching Stevie Fall Off Cliffs. What's going on, guys? Stevie Stroh here, and I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventure with us. It's been such a great experience in doing Coco Talk every week, and the support we get is just amazing. And so the fact that you watch and listen is all the reward that we need. However, if you would like to become a patron of the show and offer some financial assistance towards the production and hosting costs of the show, we do have a Patreon site available for that, and you can reach that by going to our website at CocoTalk.live and clicking on the Patreon link. But just do us a favor and watch and listen to the show. This is not the Joey Serial Switch. This is the Joey Serial Switch. Control up to three serial devices. Order yours today at CocoMan.biz. Radio Shack, America's technology store. Right. This Christmas, Tandy has a very special offer. A family color computer pack to take away at a very special price. This family computer comes complete with software and costs an incredible $449, a saving of $241.69. It's powerful, educational, and ideal for the young and young at heart. The easy way to start computing. The color computer family pack from Tandy. Get it while it's hot. Tandy, the biggest electronic store in Australia. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing Daggereth like that idiot from the book. <laughs> You're watching Coco Talk. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on News with El Chris And now a Muppet News Flash. All right, our foreign correspondent, El Curtis Boyle. Hello. Okay, so first up, we'll do the game on news to kind of continue on from the game segment we just completed there. And the first one up is uh, Jim Gary. He's got a few things to mention. 
So the first one here is um, called Third World War, originally written by Mike Rose in his 1984 book, Creating Political and Military Simulation Games on Your Micro. Hmm. So pretty, pretty heady stuff. Commander of NATO forces in Europe at the outbreak of the war. If either side penetrates. Hmm. They don't know what happens. Uh, display sector situation. Give movement orders. This already seems extremely cerebral. Oh, okay. you got your resources, <laughs> tanks, guns, field guns, missile launchers. Yeah, it's basically I, a simulation style uh -huh, yeah. game. Oh, show. Oh, well, you're not playing. So I was going to say, press the show the map. But, oh, there we go. There's the mm. map. Oh, I like that. That's cool. Ooh. Steve, he always likes the pictures. You know? I do. Yeah. All that reading. I, I'm surprised he read that much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. One more picture there for you. Ooh, see that, but. I like Ooh. it. Uh, Anyway, if you're into war simulations, and that was one thing that Coco was quite popular at. Uh, there was a couple companies that sold nothing but them, like Arc Royal Software, which had literally dozens and dozens of war simulation games. Yeah. Kind of like the old Avalon Hill board games used to get. Right. Maybe you still can. Explorer VR has joined us. Hello, Ben. Aaron says that looks hard. <laughs> <laughs> Bazooka. Yeah, so this is uh, Jim's... Uh, almost weekly you know, entry into the 10 liner contest a basic programming contest that we mentioned a few times before that's currently ongoing multi-platform so this one's called bazooka inspired by a sinclair user magazine game by as scale from 1982 and i will play that bazooka bazooka Oh, you are trying to shoot. Who are you? So you're the person on the left, and you're trying to shoot the ah, tank. Okay, now, he I can see. plow through trees, I think, which is what those are. But you, okay. you can't. Yeah, I was confused them. on who was who. Okay. So those are trees, or or walls, or something. But anyway, the tank can go through them. You're in shot right. that, basically. And he's a one hit. It's, it's it's not bad for a little ten liner. No, no, not at all. Program ten lines of basic code. That's all. Absolutely. Stuff. And then next up, he's announced uh, that he's made some adjustments to Caves of the Unwashed Heathen. Now, this is a game that was originally written for the Coco One and Two by was that Paul Shoemaker? Paul Shoemaker. Yes. Yeah, I believe so. And then Jim imported it a while ago to the MC Ten. Well, now he's got a version specifically for the MCX Thirty Two SD, which I don't know if he's added more of this stuff because he had to kind of strip the game down a little bit to get it to fit. Okay. So. Now that he has you know, access to basically almost a virtual disk drive type thing, that uh, nice. It, it, it might actually be the full game again. So if you're interested, that's available on the Facebook MC10 group. You can just go and download it and put it on your MC10. Or where the sun don't shine. <laughs> um, ooh, I like this. Looks like Erico has been busy. <clears throat> yeah, so this is uh, his uh, street fighting game. He's been kind of teasing us with little bits and pieces here. So this is actually multiple screens together and kind of shows how the layout goes. Yeah, it looks panoramic at this point, right? So, And of course, we've seen his animations with these characters. I mean, considering he's using 64 by 32 that actually has color bleed every set of four pixels, it's pretty yeah. amazing when he's been able to do the effects he gets. It yeah. looks very, very promising. Yeah, it looks really cool. Next up, we have LRU's Outrageous Gaming Project, which is a, <clears throat> a channel that does a lot of retro gaming for all kinds of systems, and he's been doing some dragon stuff lately now he's been doing some coco stuff too 
Uh, and he does long plays, so he actually tries to get decent scores. He tries to go through all the levels, etc. So he's got a few here, including uh, Nick's Donut Dilemma, for example. And he does a few others here. Storm Arrows is one. I don't think we've done that in the challenge yet, have we, Nick? No. So that, that's one I wouldn't mind seeing at some point. All right. Make sure you get your okay. checks in. To... Then your Tim Horton gift cards, too. Yeah, this way I can publicly shame him into playing my games. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll talk more about the show, Curtis. Yeah. No, that sounds good. Yeah, no, it's, it doesn't have to be right up there. It's 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 just a, it's it's the only targ clone I think we had for the Coco. So, and then Cuthbert Dragon's been busy doing some more of his long plays too. So he's got Screaming Abdabs where he plays fourteen screens of that. That's kind of a manic minor style game. Wow. Boris the Bold, which is when we've shown before the King is Donkey King Demon Seed, of course. Um, now, have you guys seen Shaft before? This was by Prickly Pear. It was one of their few one? arcade games. I think I saw the one that Samuel L. Jackson did a remake of in the early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> it has absolutely nothing to do with that movie at all. Shut your mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite line from that movie, it is my duty to please that booty. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyways, as you were saying, Chris. <laughs> yeah. So this this is a, a game by Prickly Pear. Now, Prickly Pear was known for doing a lot of adventure style games or simulation style games like Gangbusters and Horoscopes and Erland and you know Viking and all these other types. They didn't do too many of the arcade style games. This was one of them. And it's not one that was hugely popular even in the Coco scene back then. So I, it's one I didn't see until later years. I didn't see this back when it first came out. So I don't know how many of you have seen it. Did you want to see a? Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's see if Samuel L. Jackson's in this one. <laughs> so there's a dragon. I love the artwork. artwork. Okay. Okay. This is you know, one, the elevator this shafts is one going where up they're... and down. You have to dodge across, <laughs> eat the dots, and then once you get to the sides, the elevator comes and picks you up and takes you to the next floor. Yeah. Kind of sort of like elevator action, a little bit. A little bit. It's kind of like loosely based on it. Yeah. This is one where the cover definitely looks better than the book. <laughs> um, if I had to guess, this looks like this is probably basic compiled or something. No, I think it actually was no? ML. Okay. It does get pretty fast. I know I okay. have played it since, and it uh, gets pretty quick. I should mention the Dragon versions using PMO3. The Coco version used PMO4 artifacting. Okay. No, it's pretty cool. It's you get the idea. It's it's one of those easy yeah, to, easy to grasp that... type of games, right? Yeah, and for a games company that wasn't known for doing arcade games at all, I mean, it was it was nice they actually did you know, make a stab at one and made it semi-original. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting one. Yeah, that is. Next up, we have um, McDougal's Last Stand by Rob's Retro Rambles. And, of course, he's got his hilarious This is the Lava style. Lamp guy, right? Yeah, I should probably mention, too, that a lot of times when we're doing the news, we have somebody posting the links for us, but our link posters are unavailable today. So if you want the links to any of these, they'll be available in our Discord server. What's, what's is it news summaries when it's done? Yes, the news summaries channel. There'll, be a, the... there'll be a channel under the Cocoa Talk heading called news summaries, and it's going to just be a text file that will have the description and all the links to all of these. So rather than you know, muddying up the feed with links and descriptions. You guys can grab them from Discord. Um, McDougal's Last Stand. Okay, is this like the um, Scottish version of Custard? Uh, I don't know, but I really like the fact that there's a robot with bagpipes. Yeah. All That's right. not something you see every day. Blabby computer games. All right, so are you going to show us a little All tease? Right, he took his bagpipes. 
think that's the Piper running away. This is McDougal's last stand. Yeah, I, it's another one of those ones. When you see it, you go, I have to play that, don't I? That's, <laughs> th there's not going to be any other game like that before or since. That's that's. Th th there's never going to be a PS4 remake of McDougal's last stand, is there? PS4 no remake. Like. Yeah, the remastered edition. <laughs> yeah. Right? So. so, so here we are. Good old blaby computer games. Let me just zoom in on that temperature. And that's their load screen on the cassette that actually loads it up so you see this while you're loading. Okay, and so... Fancy and slightly iridescent, wibbly-wobbly with interference, and they do like that high-res effect, making it... It looked kind of yellow, but that should have been like a P-mode white background, right? Yeah. I like the use of wibbly-wobbly. Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. We'll publish McDougal's last stand. We'll just send us anything. Skill level hard or impossible? Hard or that. impossible? Those are no, your choices, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be using no beginners here. Hang on a minute. There's no Stevie Why mode. Is, <laughs> is that when you're looking at it? Oh, secretly programmed by Nick Morantis. joystick to start with, <laughs> and try my luck. Hard. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll go with hard then. Oh, I better zoom in, hadn't I? While I remember, wave bye bye to the pretty lights. Say hello to eye wrenching colours. Eye wrenching. Okay. <laughs> there that we looks go. Good. Okay. Hard or impossible? Uh, I always say that, don't I? And then I fiddle a bit, some, a bit more. Fiddle your bits. Back there. Okay. Back there. <sighs> right. What's this going to be like? I. Well, fast forward to the gameplay. It's going to be nothing like nothing else on earth, isn't it? Okay. Just Yellow background. <laughs> right. Which one am I? The one that just died. I, I appear to be. Is he the frog that looks like a strawberry, a strawberry or a ladybug? With legs. <laughs> no, that's the big one then. That's the big nasty. Oh, heck. What is the object? To pick things up? Yeah, you can shoot the red ones. And you have to get open those bagpipes. Like oh, is that what that... Frog. Okay, I was trying to figure out what the hell that was. <laughs> he was oh, too. Right. Yeah. Or perhaps a beret. That's the bagpipe, eh? Oh, and they oh. shoot too. Uh, perhaps a beret. I can only fire sideways. The shooting bagpipe. Yeah, problem, isn't it? Yeah, that, the shooting sideways and only is kind of like Tutankhamun in the yeah. arcade. It's, oh, blaby, 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 blaby. Okay. But his, his witty banter while well, going is yeah. what really makes his yeah. videos. He's hilarious. I believe I. And he does call it a. a what do you uh, call it? Some yeah, sort yeah, of. I think we'll stick with hard, you're a cross right? of a strawberry and a frog. Or yeah, something that's like that? kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay, there's the bagpipe. Yeah, I want to say this one was compiled because how it's doing the. Yeah, this one looks like a basic style. Yeah. Blue and yellow. Hey, what's going on, Alexander? How are you? Okay, so we don't have to complete one screen. We can just each time we just have to, Ooh. and then that seals it off. Uh -oh. Okay, well, that's not good there, is it? But... Ah, gotcha, you, you Sassanac. What did he call that? A Sassanag. That's a new one. <laughs> now, the bad guys can jump over walls. Some, yeah, uh, some can. Well, you can shoot through them, too, though. So. Why am I at... at, at... Shoot him! It's kind of like a red frog thing, or possibly... 
Well, I'm dead. And you now. can't I'm shoot that guy, right? No. Could also be. Uh, All right, I've seen enough. I've seen enough. Interesting <laughs> game. Interesting yeah. game. Yeah. And a funny review. Yes. Okay, this next one here is kind of for Frodo, because um, he's a big fan of the Spectrum, of course, being his first machine. So this is a channel I've not seen before. Finnish retro game comparison blog from Finland. Okay. I don't know if it's anybody we know or not. Uh, but they put up a comparison video of both Hungry Horse and Horse Go Skiing, so two of the ones with the horse theme. And he's comparing the game on three different plat or both games to on three different platforms. The original ZX Spectrum version, then the Commodore 64 version, and the Dragon 3264 version. So you actually get to see the gameplay of all of them side by well not side by side but you know in order between them showing you what they look like on the different platforms which is pretty cool ah sexy says that he called him assassinac which is an and is what how the scots refer to englishmen and that's generally not referred to as a compliment <laughs> <laughs> all right Poseidon software with melbourne house prevent presents hungry horse okay yeah so this is the zx spectrum version which is the original the, the both of these games actually came out on the spectrum now like cuthbert was to the dragon i'm thinking horse must have been to the spectrum kind of their mascot because he appeared in multiple titles so how do we say this word now sassanok is that the word because i want to start using that on you guys quite frequently <laughs> so you sassanoks i've got a <laughs> panel full of sassanoks here uh, oh boy now look at these colors see this looks good even on a white background, this looks good. Yep. High resolution. Okay, so that's kind of like the Pac-Man power pill, right? So they change. Yeah. Shape. And the spectrum, your 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 things had to be the same. Otherwise, you got that, that same color. Otherwise, you had that color clash where the colors right. kind of overlap. So they they actually designed the graphics to be each character's a single color, so that it doesn't have that problem. Right. And it worked out well. It's a good looking game. Yeah. And then we got the Commodore 64 version. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we have a SID chip. Let's show off. <laughs> <laughs> if this were a Commodore show, you'd be the SID chip's the best chip ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not bad. Not bad for a Commodore game. <laughs> and they have Maze Editor in there and stuff. Okay, huge cool, cool. Ooh. Hungry Ooh. Horus. This this looks like this is a VDG right here, right? Yeah, this is the dragon. Now, this, this is actually is... the graphic loading screen while you're loading uh, it off cassette. Oh, okay. Hungry I'm glad Horus. that's not gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one Come back, every 30 rabbit. Seconds. Hungry Horus. And this is, uh, they must have been using the standard cassette routine because they've since discovered you can actually write code load code and run it while it's still loading so that you can actually have it draw like this stuff a lot faster or mm. play music in the background like simon yeah okay did recently so press a key okay not terrible and this is well i like the animation of the bad guys they're kind of like wavy wobbly dudes that wavy wobbly again yeah and the speckles Sound effects nowhere near as good as either version, though. Um, yeah. But he, so they they did choose the white background mode, mm -hmm. which matched the original. The original Spectrum run, yeah. Yeah. It's like a little bit of dithering there on the maze. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's any PAL colors in this. That's a good question. Um, I don't know if Sixie might be able to answer that. I'm not sure if it does because this looks like definitely an emulator, not a, a real machine. Yeah. So. 
Now we'll go on to Horace Go Skiing. Sinclair. Ooh, look at that. I like it. That's their loading screen. Yeah. And now uh, much faster, too. Hello. Well, they're textile based. Right. I think they redefine the text characters. True. Now, this sound effect I could do without. Okay. Oh. Is this like Horace plays Frogger? Yep. Horace. You get your skis, then you go skiing. Ah, okay. Like the software truck, too. Where the hell is he? Okay. Yeah, oh, so it's a game of Frogger that then becomes a game of, game of skiing. Yeah, it's like a twofer. Okay. And whatever you do, do not crash into that tree. Okay. Yeah, and you have to try to go between the poles. Through the, like through the slaloms there. Okay, cool. Watch out for that tree. Doo -doo. Yeah, cool. I like it. Yeah, so, it's a pretty, pretty so good mix kind of, getting of two, hybrid, Basically getting yeah. two arcade games yeah, for the price of one. Yeah, Frogger and so. skiing mixed into one, huh? And Frodo saying the Frogger part is extremely difficult. It's yes. like, it's like <laughs> trying to get a sub at uh, Coco Fest. Yeah, I remember when I did when I did the gameplay to get the screenshots for the uh, the games page there, and the the Frogger part is difficult. That's not kidding. Okay, and then Sixty's saying the Spectrum games tended to load the high res loading screen blankly and then pull in the color information that revealed it quickly, so it's not that fast. Okay. Um, but that could have also been tile-based graphics where it was just text characters, which would have taken less. Okay, Commodore 64. Okay, let's see what did they do with their SID chip here. Ooh. Horace goes skiing on the Commodore 64. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, well, obviously a little bit better color here. Single color sprites. Ouch. Oh, you got a little... That's cute, the little uh, medevac. Ambulance. Yeah, the ambulance. I imagine that would get annoying after Reminds the second time. Reminds me of Mud Pies where the yeah. stretcher comes up for you, too. Okay, so he just made it in, and now he's got to... He's got his skis. He's, he's got, got to go skis. back to the horse. Yeah. Come on, you can do it. You... Oh, damn it. I was rooting for you, dude. <laughs> you, think on, this re... you think this resort would be set up better? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we brought out the ambulance. <laughs> Get your skis. All right, he's got his skis. Come on, Horace. You can do it. You can do yeah, it, Horace. Just call an Uber. I believe in you, Horace. Yeah, these things are moving fast and they're changing lanes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit different than Frogger, the changing lanes part. Yeah. I'm calling shenanigans on that one. Yay! He did it. Okay, now, oh, so now he's already in ski mode. You're immediately in ski mode with the annoying white noise in the background. <laughs> Did the Spectrum as well as have I do an analog joystick? Did the Spectrum have... I don't know what the Spectrum had. Anybody Frodo know? can answer that. Yeah. Okay. And Frodo mentions, uh, wow, the C64 version cheats. You can stand still in that one. It's fairly can't. Okay, so let's see the last one. Let's see the Coco version. Dragon 3264. Okay, look. See, here's the loading. So I wouldn't say Wait this is it. cheat loading. This is not oh, cheat oh, loading. Oh, 1500 baud. Horace goes somewhere. He's going skunk. Wait for He's it. He's going skunk. He's going skunk. Horace is going skunk. 
Oh no! Oh, skiing. Okay. Now, with, with all the advancements we've been doing with cassette loading lately, here, this could be done yeah. in like a second. Ooh, yes. oh, I I can load this in three tenths of a second yeah. now. Ooh. You just woke up, David. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mission accomplished. My high speed. Cassette and this is one where this particular palette actually works quite well. For yes, too, for the skiing, which is what ours was too—the uh, cartridge, tandy cartridge. Oh, see, they got the music here. Four voice. Joystick or keyboard controls, your choice. All right, come on. Let's see the Frogger. Come on. Let's go. Frogger. Frog it up, man. Okay. They did a pretty good job on recreating the single-color sprite characters pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And they did have some sound effects. like the Yeah, they, that crash sound was pretty good. The road yeah. And it throws your body out, you know. A little bit of violence. Not bad. Now, unfortunately, the trucks don't actually say software. That was my one disappointment. Okay, so he's got his skis. Okay, that was pretty quick getting across. All right, now this is a little bit slower of all the versions, but uh, okay, but it does give you time. Well, to Well, you turn. can control your speed somewhat too. Oh, I mean, on all the versions, okay. So I was gonna say, but on. you, but this gives you time to you know line up your shots too for your aiming. Uh, now this is good though. This is good. I like this. This looks good. <clears throat> yeah, the hills look better too. So this is a skiing Frogger hybrid game. Yeah, not a bad not, two two games you would not think people would want to <laughs> would put go together. together. <laughs> it's like you got your chocolate in my peanut butter, um, and then there's the finish line. Fin. If this was a French film, I would say fin. Um, okay, look at that. Cool, neat. I like that. I like that comparison of platforms too. Same game. Yeah, I, 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 to be honest, I'd like to see some more of these. We've we've done a few like a year or two ago. There was one guy that was doing like every version of yeah, the official pack yeah, and every yeah. version of Zaxxon. Yeah. But some of these more obscure ones that were for not the top tier computers, like the C64s and, and that type of thing, but get some of the ones that were a bit more underground, like the Dragon, the Coco, the Spectrum, et cetera. Yeah. And doing comparison videos of games that were unique to them and didn't you know necessarily get to all the big platforms like the PC or whatever. I'd like to see some more of those. Yeah, so Horus is like the Specky's Cuthbert. And I think Cuthbert is a better looking character when you especially when you look on those micro deal things, the little kid with the striped shirt, you know. Um, but, you know. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, it was interesting. And I've never seen that channel before. I've never heard of the Finnish group. I don't know if Frodo has or not, but uh, it was pretty interesting to find them. Okay, next up, this is a, you know, we've had the Nick Morota Ego Challenge version of uh, stuff here earlier on with the Game On stuff, but now we've got the Nick Morini's version. So oh, Melanie Swalwell, who's an author, is writing a book called Homebrew Gaming and the Beginnings of Vernacular uh, that's not the full title. Is it? Vernacular Digitality. Okay. This is a mouthful. Which is a book about the early creation of of games from the 8-bit era in the late 1970s to the early 1980s. And it's done from the Australian-New Zealand perspective. So it's it's talking to authors and, and games that were produced in that area of the world. So they had to have interviewed Nick Morentes. Yes. Yes, so he gets Well, confirmed. you might recognize some of this background art once I zoom in up over here. Ah. This is the official launch cover here. That is a TRS-80 uh, uh, graph paper thing there. Yeah. That's the actual graph paper I used uh, for the TRS-80 Model 1 version of Donut Dilemma. Ah. 
So it made the front cover. Look at wow. that. Look at that. So they had, so basically, there would be you being the only Australian game developer in the world, it was really easy to <laughs> nail down all the authors, right? So it was wow. <laughs> I thought this particular exhibit was on loan from the Craig, Craig Stewart's going to be so pissed. You How many Australian guys did you find? We got all of them. We got Nick Morantes. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Congratulations, Nick. That's awesome. Hey. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so the book will become I... available August the 17th August, in both paper August, yeah. and that, electronic formats. Does that mean your price to be on the show goes up now, Nick, since you're... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a star now. <laughs> I was interviewed for this for eight years ago. Oh, actually. my God. Wow. Yeah, so it's taken a while to research everything in the book. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, took it has that long interviews. To find anyone else. <laughs> it, it has interviews and archival research into how the games are created and stuff. And, and Nick actually ended up being her main case study. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, cool. my special case. You're like the uh, Hannibal yeah. Lecter of uh, game design. <laughs> Is there a cream or something for digitality? Digital. <laughs> I think she made up that word. That's a new one on me. So yeah, yeah. I haven't heard that one either. Have your donut dilemma with some fava beans. She discussed public discourses surrounding microcomputers, program home computers, the development of game creators' idea like donut dilemma is a case study, wider practice art of hardware hacking uh, with homebrew game beginnings. That's cool. I'm looking forward to this. So, so, so this person is, act, is actually a professor yes. at, at the university. It's not just uh, some right. enthusiast writing a, a right, fan right, book. Right. It's actually a proper... Proper. A proper historical yeah, actually reference. educated. Yeah. This could be yeah. like on the Cocoa Fest call for papers. Right? It's proper. sort of <laughs> up, up to that yeah. level, I guess. Okay. I haven't I haven't read I haven't seen the book. One, two, yet. three. Okay. Cool. But um cool. yeah, this started thirty five dollars. If I mention your name, do I get a discount? <laughs> <laughs> offer code, I'll mention the, the offer electronic code version crikey. is twenty one dollars for okay. Kindle, etc. Uh I want a real copy. I wish you I say twenty one dollars for Kindle? Yeah. For, no, do uh, I, I don't know. know. I'm not sure. But yeah, and it's actually been endorsed by some other professors that have reviewed the book yeah. as it was being developed too. So, so it's uh, yeah, fairly uh, very nice. Like associate arts professor of the NYU Game Center, which I didn't even know was an, ex an existing thing. Mm. Well, this person I think's written a few other books. I think if you scroll down the bottom, yeah. I'm so there's a few others which uh, I've, yeah, I've never seen, Wizards. but they're into more serious. Um, whatever analysis, it's, yeah, it's it's not just yeah. a history type thing. It's getting into the the core of yeah, know. yeah. Like I mean, since you actually got interviewed, I mean, were you going into like how did you design things? What tools did you use? What exactly does uh, a bit? Yeah, I, I don't know what she's written in the book, but yeah, I was uh, questioned uh, at length about how I created all the games and why and all that so we're still trying to figure that latter question out <laughs> for the money did it why? for the money why <laughs> i for like ferrari yeah. fortune and glory fortune and glory there you go, mostly i it's think it's bad, the fame but... and the money yeah that's right and the girls what, 50 bucks will get you hey? yeah. oh it's for the ferraris isn't it yeah that's awesome congratulations nick that's yeah <laughs> great yeah, so she's she's the professor of digital media heritage. That is super cool. In Melbourne, Australia. So yeah, awesome, dude. We know. So are you going to invite Nick's... her on to the show? We should. <laughs> we should. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Nick, if you want to try to contact her to do it before, maybe you do as a book promo like we did with Glenn Dahlgren. She'd come on and kind of promote the book. Maybe. Yeah. That would be cool. Oh well. It's but not she gave you a big shout out up here on the. 
Yeah, NickMarantes.com. Plug your website. There's, there you go. The cover artwork, the cover artwork features, features Nick Marantes' yeah. level designs for Donut Dilemma. Which is a case study. Yeah. yeah, so that way people go to your website, they can see all your new games, too. So, boom. I wonder what she thinks of Coco Talk. More money, more money, more money. <laughs> he knows it exists. Yeah, cool. So, send me that, yeah, let's let, send, send me that link to her Twitter account, too. So I'll, we'll reach out to her from the show, see if we can get her on as a... Like I said, a good cross promotion when the book's released. Yeah, and it worked pretty well for Glenn, from what I understood. So yeah, I think so. We got well, sold, he sold three audience. copies, and uh... <laughs> 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 um, very cool. That is awesome. That is really awesome. I'm really happy for you, Nick. Very proud of you. All right, thanks. That's yeah. awesome. Kind of make get another, you know, Ferrari out of this. Yeah. Does it kind of make us respect him a little bit? Uh, sure. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, reach Probably that not. far. <laughs> that's not, that's not going to push you a lot. You, you may want to change, uh, you know, the uh, intro where we say, uh, even though David Ladd is, uh, yeah, right, the know, uh, big thing. But, the, uh, the, I mean, the top Nick show is featuring pushing uh, him yeah, over a featuring Nick Morenti's famous Australian game featuring designer. a guy who's even more famous than David Ladd. <laughs> Ooh. We're, we're really looking for please, someone to hit the wagon too. Yeah. Must that's cool. see what the word you have coattails we're gonna ride them that's what i'm that's saying right. if you've never owned a book with the word vernacular in it well, isn't, isn't that don't you get a vernacular when you don't want to have kids anymore <laughs> <laughs> i thought a vernacular oh. was just uh i just about did a oh. take with my coffee Particular digitality does sound a little <laughs> impolite somehow. Yeah, that's not I something you repeat in polite society that often. So. Anyway, yeah, I, was, I thought it was pretty cool. Nick, Nick uh, pointed out that uh, she you know, put it up on Twitter and the fact that they've got a release date now of August the 17th. So. That's cool. Yeah. That is and you can cool. get it for Kindle, etc. It's going to be available in all kinds of electronic or the hardcover is $35. Yeah, I want to get a hardcover so I can get an autograph from Nick Marantz. And I'm assuming, I, I don't know if those prices are Australian or... I think they're Australian. Oh, so yeah, it'd be like sorry, three bucks American. Yeah, like, like two fifty, <laughs> a buck twenty-five. Yeah, two fifty and a side of fries. Fifty dollars shipping. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was surprised I got my game on the well that the, the, on the cover paper, yeah on the front cover, so I, I don't know what's inside. <laughs> yeah, it's all downhill from there. So. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably this is it. Yeah. The cover. <laughs> Yeah, on the inside, I'll say, as you've seen from the cover, this game is complete drivel. And no, <laughs> that's awesome. Now they mainly cover my TRS-80 Model One. Most of the questions when I was interviewed was about the Model One era, so it's so yeah. really early years. So there wasn't much talk about my Coco stuff, although she does mention my later stuff. But my, most of the real talk was about the. The yeah, because they're trying to get the pioneering aspects of it. Yeah, where people yeah, were making yeah. their own games from scratch in their basement. Yeah, and what was that other one where it was a game developers conference where a guy was talking about games and, oh, he, yeah. and he mentioned uh, Donut Dilemma for TRS-80 saying it was probably one of the single best Donkey Kong type games on that system of that time. I mean, another yeah. high praise from somebody who's, you know, somebody. Yeah, that was from a modern day developer yeah, going yeah. through the history of it, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. It's definitely the best game with killer donuts. In it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. The official Tim Hortons uh, game might rival that. I'm not sure, but well, that's cool. We have a we have a now, we have a true s superstar in our midst there. True celebrity. We actually did have quite a few tier, uh, programmers, game programmers in Australia uh, in the early years. And you remember the game on it came out on the PC a bit later, um, uh, Commander Keen. Oh yeah, yep. yeah, that was a yeah, yeah. That, that guy's also you know, 
apparently in, in the same city as I am. I, don't, oh, I haven't wow. ever met the guy. Oh, that's but cool. But he, I, I think there's a big uh, uh, section about him in there too. He did a lot of other games as well, but yeah. I remember Com Commander Keen was a pretty breakthrough game for the P early days. Yeah, of that's the PC. back in like the EGA gaming days yeah, where you yeah, had like these yeah, sixteen that's... color games that were competing with like Nintendo style like platformers and stuff. And then, yeah, no, that was that was a cool era of PC yeah, gaming. So he's in it, he's in it there as well. So I'm not the only star in the book. <laughs> you're our star, but you got the cover. You you're the, the you're cover. the brightest. Well, I got star. the cover. Yes. I beat him. That's you're right. the brightest star in our yeah. universe, Nick. So. Hey Nick, wait till she finds out your support of uh, EOU, and she'll start another book. Yeah. I, 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 did, I did mention that. Yeah, yeah. The trash can could have made the cover. Yeah. <laughs> That's the back cover. Yeah. <laughs> well, the trash can serves a double purpose because it's a great looking icon, of course, and it also describes the operating system in general, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't say that. Uh, yeah. You're leading the witness. That's it. <laughs> Asparagus. Um, no, that's cool. That is really, really cool. Okay, so I'll stop sharing and I'll switch over to the regular news. There's not a ton in there. so. Well, Michael Furman will be disappointed. <laughs> that's why we're ganging it up here so he has a bit of snooze time. Congratulations, Nick Marentes. Very proud of you, Thanks sir. Thanks a lot. Yep. Ooh, Tano Dragon. Unboxing. Ooh. Yeah. Now this is an old video. I, this this guy reposted it, but it's not one I'd seen before. And I think the original one was done way way back in like 2013 or something. So before okay. talking existed. So it's actually a pretty good one because this is back when California Digital had all the surplus ones when Tano yep. shut down. They yep. were selling yep. them for years and years. Yeah. So it came with bundled software, a bunch of like um, CC Writer, and a bunch of basic games. It was all basic stuff actually, which was surprising. But it was basically to show you that if you learn basic, you could write some pretty decent code. In fact, the instructions even tell you, like, you know, this was written by a 14-year-old in New Hampshire or something like that. And uh, it had, like, a word processor done in basic and a couple of games done in basic and some other stuff, too. So he goes through the whole boxing, unboxing thing here, too. Um, who's the who's the channel or person? Well, the guy who did the post here is Ivan Rodriguez Garcia, but that's not who did the original oh, video. Oh, Okay. And he's got comments turned off probably because this is kind of stolen from somebody else's oh, site. But I, really? I'd never seen it before. So. Oh, well, that's kind of... Unused since 1984. And here's some of the specifications. Advanced 6809 microprocessor. That's by Motorola. 64K RAM. Extended Microsoft Basic professional quality keyboard. And it is a very good keyboard. You get a basic manual. Nine Fast forward to the display. actual unboxing part of it. We know what's inside it. Oh, a home VHF set. An RF switch box. Yeah. I've got one of these still in the box, too. An RCA too, cable for the yeah. RF. Never opened it? Connection. No, never opened it. A cassette cable, which is compatible with the TRS-80 series. So okay. that plugs into the computer, the DIN jack, and then you get uh, earphone, remote, and microphone connections. Mine had styrofoam stuck to it, too. And cassette with the included software. So you have to supply your own. Okay, Mikey's saying sounds like V West like who I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I know it's not his, but I'd never yeah. seen it before, so, so I just wanted to bring it up. Fast forward a little bit more. It's the same program except in reverse order. My cassette. Label I, I will mention the one blue. interesting thing here, and I did not realize this: the bundled software that comes on it—it's a double cassette cassette with the exact same programs on both sides. Oh, so, so it's you not can just like ones. go to the end and then flip it over and do it again. 
Yeah, but they're reversed on the other side, so you don't have to fast forward or rewind quite as much. So it starts with gold dig and ends on CC writer on this side. And on the other side, it starts with CC writer and ends with gold dig, so that if you wanted to get and, to the program faster. Oh, interesting. Well, and more importantly, if there was a bad spot on the tape, it occurred on two different programs, right? Yes, yeah, so you'd still have your backup copy. In the so it's one. good on one side it. on one and good on the other side on the other one. <laughs> if you look at that label quick, it looks like license to Tandy. License to Tano, but it does look like yeah, Tandy yeah. a little bit. Yeah, T-A-N, mm, yeah, it looks yeah. like that. Yeah, old dot matrix printer. There's your so It kind of goes through the ports. Of course, yeah. the Dragon 64 had both the real serial port and the real parallel port, which is something that Copeland never did get. Yeah, one of these days I'll get mine fired up. I ordered the AV cable for it. The checklist, final packaging specification. So this may be just copied from the That's British That's the uh, copy of the original Dragon basic manual. Okay. Which I didn't realize had fold-up to pages, too. It was not just straight right pages. There was a little cardboard fold-ups. I know it's out. a British manual. Yep, there you go. Definitely the British. Very solid feeling. Yeah, good sounding. Still one of the better keyboards. Box label had the word color as the way we spell it. Right, because this is the, the U.S. version of it, the Tano Dragon. And, of course, access to 32K. So if I do print mem here. And I had composite. It says I think. the tape is CC Writer. I had I, I guess this is using only thirty green as you use this program it has no relation to how it's going to look when you print it out, especially since this computer can't do lowercase, so lowercase shows up as inverse video. He wasn't too impressed with the word processor until he broke out of it and found it was written in basic, and he was kind of surprised by that. And the games are very simple. Obvious exits north for ah, text adventure. This actually wasn't a bad text event. This was commercial for a while in the early 80s. Mm. Uh, Rainbow, uh, Charles Forsyth used to sell through the Programmers Guild, which was his company. He also did pack droids and a few other games, too. Uh, Ninja Warriors. Or, yeah, Ninja Warriors, another one he did. And the rest of them are just basically basic games that uh, you know, people contributed to channel for free, basically, just to go on. Get one he loaded a Coco game here, but then the because of the way the keyboards map, the controls don't make any sense because the Dragon uses different scan codes than the color computer. Okay, so and that's cool. Moves the ship. Oh yeah, there's the yeah, uh, there's kind of the AV history, cables. Though. Does it come with AV cables out of the box? Because if it did, I bought shit I didn't need. <laughs> so I, bought, I, I ordered. Think wouldn't I be actually, the first time. Okay. All right, cool. I think it came with the RF and the RF cable, not the like the RF box. Because I had actually ordered mine from somewhere in the UK, the Dragon AV cable kit. Uh, cool, very cool. Next up, uh, Fred Rovancha has put up a new video. Uh, we talked about on a previous show that he's doing this thing on the Coco where you can read the ICS calendar files that you know iCal and a bunch of other things use. Mm -hmm. So this is an update video. Um, Showing that he can download a calendar file to the Coco over DriveWire, drive like wire. directly off the net, drive and then run it through the filter program. And he's actually going to have it setting alarms based on that if you want. Um, so if you have you know a certain appointment or something you want to grab off somebody's calendar, you can actually have the Coco sit there and beep at you and, and let you know. I won't play the whole video here. You can it's uh, almost ten minutes long, but uh, go check it out on Facebook. Very very cool. There's the other posting of that. Yeah, DriveWire is a great conduit to get stuff into your Cocoa without having to worry about getting the Wi-Fi modems and all that kind of stuff. So. Or having to do sneaker net with your SD card. Yeah, on the yeah. switcheroo cable for my Tandy Calor Computer 3. Is this Canadian retro things? 
You betcha. Okay. So he actually does the, the full comparison. This is his, uh, yeah, and he's shooting this with his camera right on the TV screen on the monitor type thing. So this is composite video out composite. from the Coco. Composite, composite, composite. whatever you want Composite color. Composting, um, whatever. Yeah. RGB signal out of the switcheroo. So we're doing it this way. Now this is uh, low res graphics. And, and then he got, it goes through the uh, the text comparisons, like 32 column, your... 40 column. Uh, when you Just go... still pretty readable. And then you get 80 column and it's... it's now this is composite, composite here. This is like composite. 80 column mode. Yeah. In HDMI composite. Oh, so that's the before switcheroo, everything we yes. just saw there. Okay. And here he mentioned, uh, I think a few people mentioned, Jason can pipe in this too, that you, you have to get a decent converter. There are yeah. some converters out there to do crap. Yeah, yeah. And this right, you have, you, yeah, yeah, you have to be careful that you're getting a SCART, con SCART to HDMI converter that does RGB because there's a lot of very inexpensive ones, very cheap ones that only do composite. Yeah, and that doesn't give you any benefit at all. No benefit whatsoever, right. So here he is showing the extremely complex procedure of plugging the one cable into the bottom of the yep. Coco. 27 <laughs> easy to follow steps. That's it. And hooking it up to the computer. You got to plug in the composite feed. I like when he first tried it out there, he forgot to plug in something. <laughs> yeah, he forgot to plug the monitor into it. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Started, oh, nothing. Oh, I forgot to plug my HDMI cable in. That was... Yeah. <laughs> Now look how Whoops. clean that is. See that is super clean. Super clean. So here you are. Clean. That same screen that was all fuzzy. Yeah. And... Look how clean that is. Now any of the patterns you see are because he's using this video cam a camera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the Moari pattern you, you don't see, see in the those background Moari there. That's patterns, that's not yeah. what you see using it live. That's just because of the scan. I see those all the time. That's why I take medication. Uh, <laughs> Thirty-two column mode. It's part of that color blindness we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I can't hear you. I'm colorblind. What was that? Uh. <laughs> I can't hear a thing without my glasses. Okay. Yeah. So this is 80 column mode. Look at that. Look at that. It's not even fuzzy at all. Yeah. Wow. Imagine. I know that. there was some discussion on Facebook that if you have an, um, the, the direct RGB to VGA solution like that uh, Cloud9 was selling, well, Alan Huffman. Not, that's not direct, though. It's an adapter, it's an yeah. FPGA adapter. The direct, there's actually, a, you can do a direct cable that's passive that you do the 15 kilohertz VGA, RGB to VGA. And my understanding is the, the quality on that is a little bit better than even the SCART solution, but it's also not available right now. And it's, I think, a fair bit more expensive and it, and it doesn't work with every retro system. It'd be unique to the Coco, wouldn't it? Uh, well, that particular one. Um, so, yeah, the Coco provides RGB, analog RGB signaling. And I'm not, a, I'm, I am not a, uh, a hardware guy at all. But I, I did save a bunch of money on car insurance. But Jason Reichard has made for me a handful of cables to convert things from one format to another that were all passive cables. So um, Jason made a cable for me that I could plug my Coco 3 into my Commodore 1084P monitor, whatever the hell it's called. And mm -hmm. he made another one where I could plug my Tandy 1000 into that too. So if you understand how RGB works and what the voltages are and blah, 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 all electronic talks, you can do it with straight through cables, um, assuming that there's, you know, both systems support some flavor of analog RGB. Um, now in this case here with, with this is RGB to SCART and SCART is also analog RGB. And then that box converts SCART to HDMI, which becomes digital. RGB, right? So that's why we need that extra box in the middle. Um, yeah. 
but the discussion that came up on Facebook, somebody was asking the question, what's the best way to get, you know, RGB or VGA out from your cocoa or whatever? And Alan Huffman br brought up a product that existed in 2016 that hasn't existed since then. But he said that that's his favorite way to look at 80 columns. And, and that's fine. But uh, I don't think anybody's had a problem with 80 columns on the switcheroo. Um, no, it's, it's, it's variable. And this is not yeah. exactly the best color choice you'd want to pick for 80 columns, whether you're on RGB analog, like a real RGB analog monitor, or if you're on VJ or anything else. I mean, there's black on a bright green is not the easiest to read to begin with. Yeah, but no, it's um, there's there's lots of ways to do it, and this is definitely one of them. Um, and then the toggle switch is a nice feature about this one, too, because here he is playing it in Biscuit. This is coming out in RGB mode, so you're getting just straight black and white, which is what the mode originally was supposed to be. And, of course, we've got artifact colors on NTSC. And uh, if Jason wants to give the technical explanation, I think you're tapping the composite signal or something. Or... Right. What, what What's happening with that SCART converter box is uh, for your video sync, it's actually expecting a composite sync signal uh, compared to the separated vertical and horizontal uh, sync signals on the Coco 3 RGB port. So instead of building an additional circuit for a sync combiner or something like that, what I went ahead and did was just use the composite sync that was already on the back of the Coco 3. And um, so it uses that for the sync on RGB. But the advantage to that is if you want to tell the SCART converter box instead of look at the RGB pins, look at, you know just look at the composite signal you you flip the toggle switch and that's how and then you are looking at that straight composite signal and that's how you're getting the uh, the uh, artifact colors now the f1 key still works for setting between the two different artifacts on the Carco no? 3. oh absolutely yeah. yeah on the coco 3 absolutely yep no no difference it's, you're you're just looking at that straight composite signal with really no no changes other than just being converted you know being converted to the hdmi just uh, just like the rgb signal was and that's another thing, I mean, uh, talking about the, the, the VGA solution that Alan was talking about, is that VGA is starting to go on the wane right now. I mean, TVs don't, a lot of TVs don't even come with VGA connectors anymore. They're just straight HDMI and that's it. And right, I think even and, start and the real, the real multi-sync monitors are kind of going away as well. You're the ones that do... handle the 15 kilohertz or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Right, you're supposed to do all your conversion before it gets to the monitor and... So I, I, I think personally, uh, my personal opinion on this, and I'll make that disclaimer, it's my opinion, is that the HDMI is a bit more future-proof using something that converts to HDMI because that is where the TV you know, market is going, and VJ is starting to slowly disappear. Now, that being said, if you have a VGA monitor already, then a VGA yeah. solution is right up your alley. And, and honestly, mm -hmm. like I have the Coco VGA, and I, I, when I use it most of the time, I plug it through a capture device to look at it on my computer. But when sometimes there is some nice analog elegance to looking at these things on the CRTs with the analog output as, you know, as the good Lord intended them. And, um, you know, so looking at that Coco VGA on a VGA CRT monitor, it looks really cool. It's very that true, you know, classic feel that you like from a CRT. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, I mean, my, my, my Coco in my other room here, I still have my Magnavox analog CRT on it. I don't have any of the fancy stuff on it. Yeah. So, you know, when you ask what's the best way, I hate I hate whenever you want to say the best because there are multiple ways to do this. What's well, so, the best for the person that's yeah, asking yeah. the question. So best yeah, yeah. So best is relative, right? Um, um, but, um, but the switcheroo is a great solution. Um, there, are, there are other solutions, various passive cables you could create. Um, and then there are like well the honestly when the gimme x comes out 
that's going to be yeah. probably one of the best ways to get oh, yeah. good VGA I can, I can vouch front. for that. Right. Because Here we go, flipping the switch. Flipping the switch, boom. And there's your artifact colors. There's back. your artifact colors. Look at that. Picture in picture. What a what a professional video producer this guy is. Yeah, that's why he's this not is, on the show too often because he's way past us as far as <laughs> special production. So. I think this is my new favorite video on YouTube right now. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's getting a Skype call. Mayday, mayday. Um, uh, cool. Good job there, Canadian Retro Things. Yeah, so it's good. It was, it was really good because it shows you exactly what it does, compares what the original output looked like versus what it looks like now going through the SCART. It goes through how the switch works, et cetera. Right. You know, and I've, converter box. And I've asked this question before. Maybe some of you hardware gurus could chime in. But, you know, I always wonder, like, why is it that when people are making these projects, and you, what, what, this is what we have to realize, too. Let's, let's keep things in perspective. Number one, if somebody's out there creating a solution at all, we, we obviously should be grateful these things exist, right? So you don't want to take away from that. The fact that there are, there are people making products and solutions and upgrades and, 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 and doohickeys from us, that's that's great, right? Um, but then you, but I always ask myself, okay, well, why is it that the keyboard adapters that have existed in the past were only PS2? Why, you know, PS2 is old. Why aren't they doing USB? You know, and then why is it that we have these things that only output VGA? VGA is old. Why aren't we doing HDMI? And then I've heard some technical explanations why. Like, number one, I've heard to put HDMI on a product, you have to license yes. HDMI. Yeah. But what if you bought the HDMI header? Isn't that already licensed anyways? Or no, if you just buy the header, it's not licensed, right? But you can buy a Raspberry Pi for like next to nothing with HDMI that is licensed. So I don't understand why there can't be an affordable HDMI doohickey we could buy for projects. And, you know, so that part I don't understand, but I do understand licensing and you obviously want to respect that. Um, and then I've also asked the questions like, why don't we have HDMI? And then you also hear that, you know, the HDMI overhead to run it and the human interface device and all the stuff that's needed is much more advanced than what the Coco could do. So then you need a microcontroller and you need this and you need that. It's not as simple as just putting the port on a circuit board. So I kind of sort of understand that. But I'm also a fan of if we're going to make a modern upgrade for a retro system, it should be as modern as possible for what we can adapt it to. Like HDMI to me seems to make sense and USB makes more sense than PS2. Uh, but again, I'm naive in the logistics and the practicality of buying the parts and, and producing it and all that other kind of stuff, you know. So. Well, VG, VGA can be interfaced with nothing more than just a few resistors and analog output. That makes VGA e very, very easy on the makerspace. Okay. And that's just it's just an easier implementation. And when you're looking at something like HDMI, you've got to be running like I mean, they tried it on the Pi Zero, if I recall correctly, and they were overclocking the Pi Zero to generate an HDMI signal. And the native clock rate on the Pi Zero is 133 megahertz. Hmm. You got to be moving things really darn quick. You got to be pushing bits really quick. Same thing with, P well, not exactly the same thing with PS2. With PS2 versus USB, PS2 is an easier protocol to manage than right, USB right, right. is. Right. So you can, you can, it's just, for the makerspace and for the individual people, what can I implement quickly, easily, cheaply, and what's easy for me to implement? What do I not have to worry about? Right, right. Now I get all that, right? And there are adapters for all of these things. So I have a $13 box I bought on Amazon that converts VGA to HDMI, and it's $13 freaking dollars to buy that adapter. You know, but that had to have been licensed. So I'm just thinking if they spend an extra $13, 
you know, again, I, somebody's mentioning here, Torsten, saying that these companies, that they can do it in volume. So if they're producing a lot of things, they can buy the license, you know, uh, uh, more affordably. But yeah, so I have done that. So obviously you can get a PS2 to USB adapter. You can get a VGA to uh, HDMI adapter, which I have done and I do. Um, but, you know, I would I would love a, a modern device. Again, not knowing the, 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 the challenges in doing it, it'd be great to say, here's this widget you plug into a cartridge slot and you can plug in USB keyboard and mice. You can plug in HDMI. Yeah, 21st century called, we answered. Hello, right? So, <laughs> so that would be cool. But... Uh, you know, I, I get it, sort of. So, well, good cool. job, CRT. Thank you. Excellent. Uh oh, Next Simon Jonasson, the madman. Yep. So he's working on another Coco Three demo. So he's got some uh, a rolling text effect here that he's doing. Look at that. Simon Jonasson is insane. He's the madman. Now, is that blue line, is that scan lines is showing how much CPU is being used to do that? Yep, yeah. exactly correct. So the more blue, the more CPU? Yes. Probably. And look at how rock stable that is. Because mm -hmm. generally, if you're, uh, if you're not... Yeah, generally, doing... it flickers a little right. bit as, you know, as different tasks are happening while you're doing or different computations. Oh, so you're talking about the stable of the blue line itself, like it's not fluctuating. Yeah. So that's just a constant CPU level. And you also notice there, if you, I don't know if I was, well it's showing up in the streamer, but there's like some grays in there too. So he's actually anti-aliasing. Oh, yes, I well, see that, yes. Which gives it a, a bit of a smoother effect than if you just did pure white. Right. That's cool, Simon. And speaking of graphical text. Graphical text. This is uh, from Todd Wallace, who, of course, did our CJ oh, Pond for Nitrous 9. Yes. Thank you, Todd. Yes, yes, yes. Looking but now he's in. throwing in for you disc basic people that have been missing having this type of a font or having some of these effects that uh, uh -oh. you can do there, too. So I've been writing my own. I'll play the whole thing because it's less than two minutes. Text font library that lets you print is that loud enough? text yeah, to the screen uh, using custom fonts. Uh, very similar to how Nitrous 9 does it. Uh, and I thought I tried to... Is this Coco 3 only, where it's changing the hardware font yes. or into a graphic uh, mode or something? It's changing the ROM font, basically. Okay, the ROM font, because ROM is in RAM at this point. Yeah. First, you load the library. Okay. Now, you've been able to replace that font all along, but he's done some optimization. Basic demo program, which... Hey, check out there. my cool graphics text library. Nothing too fancy, but you'll notice that um, I use some semicolons so that the cursor won't go to a new line automatically. And I've also deliberately put some extra prints in there um, to do new lines. And uh, you can kind of see in the comments um, what the little uh, exact commands are for. Eventually, I'd like to make calling those things a little more user-friendly. But for now, check it out. Hey, that's an IBM CGA font. Now, that is pretty cool, man. So and this is in basic. Um, See, we don't need no stinking nitrous nine. Hi, Lord. Let me go to the other window to show you. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Just hit clear, and the screen will actually clear. Back in basic. Work in progress, but 
just having some fun. That's neat. That is kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. Like I remember back in the old days because a lot of people made the fonts, but the original basic only has 128 characters in its ROM. But we had lots of replacements. We had a Mac font. We had, you know, it was a bunch of them, you know, yeah. the English, et cetera. So, but he's done some optimizations to actually make it print faster because that basic routine was not the quickest thing for printing. So okay. I think he's done some additional work besides just here's the new font. Cool. So that we'll would be posted. like on the H screen. That's not yeah. a graphic screen. That's the hardware text screen, right? So if you no, go... it's H screen. It, 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 the original one simulates the Gimme's hardware font pixel for pixel, but it's on the graphic screen like H screen two or H screen okay. four or whatever. So and this is one of our Brazilian friends. Yeah. So we actually featured him last week when he was covering one of the other uh, Coco style clones here. So this yeah. is a different one. This is the Codemex CD six eight zero nine. And uh, once again, it's. I'll, in, I'll be uh, happy to translate for you. Every time I hear an, a near English sounding word, I'll repeat it for you. In uh, <laughs> <laughs> full so English. Anyway, it goes through a bit of the history. I'm, I'm thinking he's going through a bit of history. I honestly don't have a clue. Um, you can kind of see a zoom up here. It's actually got a power light. Nice. I don't know if that was stock. Um, one strange thing is that the brake key was actually labeled as escape. Ah, okay. So that's a little bit different. Clear key is still labeled as clear, though. The brake key is not red. Nope. How are we it's supposed white. to find it? <laughs> uh, there's one of the ads for it with disk drives and ah. the screen and the printer with the famous James Diffendaffer hat. Oh, wow, look at that. And then there was a mention, this is from a magazine in Brazil that actually did mention it down at the bottom. You can see Codemark okay. CD 6809. It's Nolan Bushnell on there. Yeah. Totally unrelated to that. But... There's Comedex. its logo, which actually had full, you know, Broad colors on Yeah, look at that. Cool. Nice manual. That looks like a Model 1 screen almost, that TV thing there, right? And then we got some program samples. Yep. Complete from a line printer. Uh, some little explanation stuff. You're going to see clearly the escape. Yeah, key. yeah. I like the arrow. And return key. instead of enter. Look at that that down arrow. Looks like they just re relabeled a tab key. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> we don't need that no stinking tab well key, true. right? So we'll just paint an arrow on that son of a bitch. Call it, a, call it down. <laughs> one, one thing I find fascinating about the Co the Coco clones, like whether you're talking about Dragons or Codemex or some of these other ones we've seen, the sample of a bunch of them, all of them used real professional style keyboards yeah. except the Coco. Right. That was the one place Tandy really cheaped out, and nobody else did. So, why did Tandy do that? Spoiler alert! Well, money. I mean, honestly, Tandy <laughs> sold more than the rest of them combined, so maybe they were right. I don't know, but they did yeah. gradually improve the keyboard. I mean, the Coco Three keyboard's pretty good, but it's not this good, and it's not right. as good as no, the Dragon. This is like or... a full, full stroke keyboard here. This looks like an Apple or an Atari or anything else for that matter. It looks like a real keyboard. Stroke keyboard. Stroke. There's your uh, power on LED, which is a nice little yeah, feature. Yeah, nice uh, feature. Not a lot of the clones got. And there he's kind of going that's through the a, that, See where it says reverso? In English, that means reverse. So that's how you would oh, switch I, the... I'm, uh, I'm glad you pointed that out. I wouldn't have had a clue. Uh, Steve Eastro, foreign language that's, class. Uh, that's how you reverse the video. So they have the VDG hack on a toggle switch there, huh? That's the reset the, key there. And that's yeah. it. That's the connector that's the to your expansion. Connector. Yeah, your expansion yeah. connection there. That one and looks this is close enough you, to this, French, even that I That one says, it. insert something. <laughs> <laughs> is that leave it up to user discretion? Yeah, insert something here. Know. Figure it out. You figure it out. Right? And some guy put all these together with a screwdriver. Yeah. And that one goes to canal three. So if you have, more than, one, if you have more than one canal, then this goes into your third canal. So yeah. I bet that's channel three. Mm. 
Yeah, mm. or it could be Mars. I'm not sure. They had canals there, didn't they? Uh, or it's the Panama Canal. What yeah. do I know? Panama. One, one thing I find interesting, though, is the expansion slot's not a recessed slot like it is in the Dragon or the Coco. It's actually yeah. one that sticks out that you plug your cartridge into. It's not an any, it's an Audi. That, oh, that wow, makes, you that, really that know your you, Spanish well. That way you can dislodge it easier and blow, blow the CPU oh, easier, okay. that's all. Uh, there's your RS-232 and your joystick, and then what the hell is a Gravador? Printer. <laughs> oh, is that what that is? Okay. Yeah, as in engrave. Engrave. Ah, there we go. Thank you. So somebody knows something here. RS-232C. That means yes Ooh. in Spanish. C. You, do, we, do you have RS-232C? <laughs> we do. C. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, joystick Durr and ESO, is that somehow mean left and right? Yeah. Durr. And this What's is between the, uh, diesel and unleaded? Is that what's going on there? <laughs> 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 oh, uh, one ten needs Google Translate right? when you got so, Stevie yeah. Stroh. So there's your yeah. power supply switch there. That's pretty cool. All right. All right, I got a little teardown of the keyboard here. Okay. Oh, that's I a like beautiful that. keyboard. That is. It's gorgeous. I miss spherical keycaps so bad. And a little bit of bodge wiring stuff there. I'm assuming that must be a composite or something. Could be, I'm not yeah. sure what that is. But maybe it's because the chips are the same as we yeah, used to. Yeah, it looks like very similar to a Cocoa motherboard. But not identical. They didn't actually clone the motherboard, like mm. literally clone it. Like I love the cartridge connector on the board. And then is, uh, it goes, to the, yeah, to, goes the... to a ribbon cable out to the back to that uh, <laughs> yeah. right? stick something here slot. So, um Pretty neat. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty nice looking machine. And pretty well designed. Now the boot up ROM was a bit different because it actually had that little color OD, thing that kind of yeah, duplicates that. what they have on the label there. Basic E, 1983. I'm assuming the E means extended basic. Could be. Yeah. Did it look like they had replaced the salt chip with uh, multiple components? I don't even know what that would look like. So and there was all, all kinds of resistors on the uh, motherboard. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like exactly. these were. It looked like a, were... a Cocoa One uh, clone, mm. as opposed to a Cocoa Two. Yeah, because Cocoa yeah, so One these, had all the discrete were, components. Like both based off of that Motorola design that everybody Tandy used, used yeah. without yeah. any Tandy specific parts in it. So no salt because that was a Tandy thing. I do like the fact they did that little, you know, ribbon yeah. of color and there. Those, and the, the uh, color burst looks a little bit different. I don't know if that's because it's not NTSC or something else, but yeah, those are not normal VDG colors we're used to seeing. That almost looks like a Cocoa Three in composite mode, where everything's off a little bit, you know. Yeah. And then there was a little switch that yeah, they had that we didn't have. That was the inverse video. Oh, that's just yeah. Okay. Right. Now it looks kind of a bit odd, and you might be right on that. Yeah. Take care, that. Frodo. Frodo has to go. So you, 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 we just Later, lost Frodo. a viewer thanks to your news, Curtis. <laughs> as long as he's getting a good, healthy nap, there's yeah, nothing right. wrong with it. But yeah, it mean, had a power on LED. It had the inverse video switch. It had a real keyboard. It actually had some pretty nice features. That is cool. What about a real-time clock? Did it have a real-time clock? No. Okay. Yeah, it's neat. And there's not a, there's not a lot of wasted space inside that case. You know, so um, pretty cool. Yeah. And he seems to be doing a sequence of these because this is the second clone he's gone through 
So I, I know there was a few more there. Maybe we could get... Brazil, as uh, we've heard, did not have any real copyright laws to worry about. Right. And maybe we can get somebody like Erico or Frederico or something to translate for us just so we could know what fully the people are... Or maybe we can even ask him if he's bilingual, if he could give us the Americanized version of it. Um, yeah, because, I mean, we know a little bit of the history and we've seen, like, they have their, their kind of cocoa gathering they've had a couple times, too, like kind of their mini cocoa fest down yeah. there, too. And they have a lot of these machines out there. But I'd like to get a bit more of the history of their... I just can't get over the amount of handwork in this. It's like a, a user repack. Almost. Yeah, because everything's screwed all in. All your uh, DIN connectors are screwed in, and, and ribbons else, yeah. soldered yeah. down, and geez. Yeah, but it's well, it's well built though. It's you know, there's there's a lot of quality assembly going on there. So yeah. it does remind me like the old AT case projects everybody was doing back in the nineties. Yeah. Though you're right. Yeah. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. A cousin of the Coco. One of many. So this one, uh, Fabian just posted this up this morning, actually, and he's the one who's been kind of taking over Cocopedia and trying to get it caught up. Right. So he posted a question about possibly doing a short online workshop of about an hour on how to create, update, et cetera, Cocopedia content, because he wants to kind of do the same idea that Stevie's mentioned before, too, of, of people can update their own company profiles yeah. or their yeah. own software profiles. That's neat. Yeah. So he's thinking about doing a video to kind of teach people how to do the Cocopedia thing, and he was wanting some feedback of that on Facebook in the Coco group. Okay. So. If any of you are interested in doing that, uh, please give him some feedback so he knows. Absolutely. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Now we get to some uh, sadder news here. So <clears throat> a couple of passings to talk about this week. The first one here is Lou Ottens. Which is um, from, he's from the Netherlands and he worked for Philips, actually worked at the uh, Belgian Hasselt branch of Philips. And Philips, of course, did the CDI stuff too. Another, you know, subtly cocoa related thing. So he passed away at the age of 93 here, but he was the guy that invented the cassette tape that we got to know on all the, you know, home computers and also offer audio cassettes, etc. So he uh, passed away, you know, lived to the ripe old age of 93. So that's good. But he was also, and I didn't know this until I read the full article, he was also one of the part of the team that actually invented the CD, the successor to the cassette. Oh, wow. So he, he was in a lot of the storage and a lot of the audio stuff there. Now, am so. I the only person who remembers when CDs first came out, everybody was like, oh, CDs are going to be so great because there's no needle and they won't get scratched. Has anybody ever had a CD yes, that did remember. not get scratched? I mean, show of hands who had a CD that never got scratched. Yeah, there's no physical object touching. It's just a beam of light going through it, just straight pristine and... Yeah, uh, yeah, that didn't last long. Uh, the funny thing is, I stuck with cassette for the first couple of years to see because CDs were so damn expensive. Oh, I know, I like know, yeah. Double the, triple the price of getting the exact same album. Yeah, so. the players were expensive, and the actual cassettes, the CDs themselves, were expensive. But yeah, yeah, over a hundred billion cassettes were sold since its launch in 1963. Wow, that's impressive. And it said, but the bands disappeared after the release of the CD, which is developed 20 years later by the same Ottens together with a team of engineers and the CD also became a hit. So he was on both on the front line. Neat. So, so two sad that he's three. passed away, but definitely a life well lived. And then the second one here is that Mike Knutson, the author of Ultimuse 3 for both the MM1 and the Coco. And I think he did a Linux port at one point. And then Bill Pierce actually got like when Mike quit uh, developing it, actually he got the source code. So Bill Pierce has been actually keeping Ultimuse updated. And then this whole M shell system is based on the code that Mike had done to do Ultimuse 3. So he just passed away literally on his birthday, which is sad. Um, 
I know we'll get into a little bit here with, with Brian Schubert and some others here that actually have, you know, use the Ultimus 3 quite a bit. And this is his obituary. I'm going to probably leave a comment here. I mean, I don't know the family at all, but I had met Mike a few times. I wouldn't say we were great friends or anything, but we did chat occasionally at Rainbow Fest and Coco Fest. And I did buy Ultimus 3 from him when it was being sold through, uh, was it Second City Software, I think? Brian, you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong on that one, but... Uh... I will we'll leave something just to let them know from the computers, you know, Coco side of things. Yeah. That a lot of us are thinking of him. No picture. Uh, no, they don't seem to have one on the site. I remember he has his little thin beard and stuff like that. But uh... it's a this this is a sign of the times. You can join the funeral service by a Zoom meeting. That is, and there's the passcode is there too. So, I mean, hopefully, you're not going to get any Zoom bombers on this. But yeah, that is a sign of the times now where, you know, because of COVID and everything else, we're virtually attending services. Yeah. So, um, but rest in peace, Mr. Knudsen, and thank you for your contributions. Absolutely. Um, wow. Yeah. And with this, I'll stop sharing. And Brian Schubring, if you can bring up Ultimus 3, for those that don't know what it is, just to show what his, you know, his pride and joy program on the Coco 3 was. No and pressure. It was actually no like pressure, the, the MIDI uh, entry program. And we've got some other ones, like Coco MIDI Pro, that do like live recordings and stuff. But uh, this is for entering sheet music. And he's doing this by a command prompt. He doesn't. He doesn't need that sissy pants ease of use thing. No, uh, <laughs> you can do it either way, of course. Because right. that, that awesome. is possible. Y'all can hear me. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we can yeah. hear you, Brian. Yes. Okay. Copyright 1989 96. Michael Jenkins. The welcome screen on for Ultramuse and that. Drive edition with enhancements and mods by Bill Pierce. Yeah, this is the latest version that uh, Bill Pierce had uh, released. Uh, I think what last year or so. Yeah. So he's had a few releases actually because uh, Mike kind of got out of it about you know, a decade ago. Yeah. I think. And let's just. Read Isn't it? it? You're picking the most you know. Hard hit copyright strikers on the planet. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what I had. Mind you, me. if you just show the score, I mean, that's that's mainly th yeah. the thing that Ultimus was. It wasn't just the player. It yeah, that's was... really cool. Whole new world. Yeah, that's. Oh, that this this is the one that I moused in myself from uh from um a uh, actually a good version of the of the piano score, and then I watched the movie uh, probably. Just this one section for the song, about three thousand times, just to get the nuances and stuff in, because I broke it all apart to get different pieces in. And I, I moused it all in, and I can do another. Um, yeah, if you want to play a few bars of this? That's fine. I'm not, okay. I'm not worried about the evil Disney Corporation at this point. Tell me if it's coming through. Uh huh. Is it? Not nope. yet. A whole new world. Like having have all your notes down there. Very graphical, right? Yeah, I mean, Ultimate supported up to 16 tracks at once and had a percussion clef and treble clefs and bass clefs. Actually, I think it had four different clefs all told. So you could actually could, like program the drums on its own separate clef and, 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 and switch you know instruments between as you were jumping around so you could use more than 16 instruments in a piece. Yeah. Is the music going through at all or no? No, no. Brian. No music. Interesting. It should have. But yeah, oh. visually, this is very nice. So this is not even in the super high res. Or is this 80 column mode? Is this 640? Yeah, this is yeah. 640. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. 642 color, if I remember. 
Are you using a switcheroo? Yeah. And it's not fuzzy at all. Look at that. Okay, I hear it faint in the distance, but I think it's being picked up by your microphone. No. Yeah, I just heard there. Unbelievable. And if you've never been to Coco Fest, this would be in rotation at Coco Fest. <laughs> yeah. As well as the uh, country anthems at the beginning of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All down the Coco. A lot of those mouths in with ultimate. Yeah. Well, I better kill that before we get dinged. Ding, ding, ding. We're being pulled off the air. <laughs> and you know. can scroll through the music score. Uh, like bolt of lightning has just struck my house. <laughs> yeah, just use the keyboard. And here. And do, 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 do. The whole new world. And this this is a pretty... You, you can do feature, all then. sorts of uh, controlling tempo the volume you can actually do a gradient volume where it, it swells then goes back down just by using music the music notation that's built into it it's a really really powerful uh piece of software yeah the nice thing was too it didn't require much hardware for you to mouse something in and then play it yeah you could just literally no. get a cable from the bit banger plug it into your synth and away you, you go you could do, you could do that yep or yeah. use the midi pack which yeah. i've got a couple the, the mini pack's better because it doesn't tax the CPU as much. You can multitask oh, way better. so much, yeah. It, yeah. It's definitely so much better. And it's definitely better than trying to go through, in a lot of cases, if it's a real busy piece, if you're trying to do it through a uh, drive wire. Drive wire. It works, but it does tax the uh, the data stream from the computer to, through drive wire. And that yeah. you do tend to get some real slow pieces if uh, it gets real busy. Yeah. So if you I want thought. to use this like in a professional setting, you definitely would want one of the MIDI packs. But yeah. if you just wanted to fiddle with MIDI and you got a MIDI synth, like a cheap Casio somewhere, mm. all you had to do is just you know make a cable for like five, ten bucks and this software and yeah. away you went. Yeah, exactly. And you know, everybody can see where uh my stack is over here. Yeah. Of equipment. Then of course then I've got uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that stack's about to overflow there, Brian. <laughs> yeah. And of course, my cocoa up over here and stuff all over the place. Wires, gizmos, gadgets. <laughs> all the above. So, <laughs> yeah, all the above. Yeah, it, it's, it's my mad scientist room. Yeah, down that's here. awesome, though. Yeah. Anyway, a big, so, big thank you to Mike Knutson for doing Altimeters yes, and being a supporter definitely. of the Coco and OS9 communities and the MIDI community. Yeah. Uh, he so, came up with MIDI converter software. He did all kinds of stuff back in the day. So. Right. So for those of us <laughs> who are into more of the gaming and the entertainment side, there's a lot of games we could say that made us proud to be Coco owners because these games showed off what the Coco was capable of. But on the slightly more serious side, being able to do something like musical composition that is something to make you proud too, right? The, what the Coco was capable of doing. And this is definitely a product that would, would definitely be uh, described as doing that, you know, showing yeah. off the power of the Coco, making you proud to own a Coco. Out, right? out of all the third-party programs that I would consider commercial grade for OS9 back in the day that weren't from Tandy, mm -hmm. Tandy had quite a few of them, obviously, uh, I would rank this one in MV Canvas as the top two. Like those are those are ones that you would put up against anything yeah, else at the time. Yeah. So because other than that, it took like an Atari ST, which was a 16-bit system at four times the cost to be able to do you know MIDI with the proper timing and everything else yeah. around that time. And I so. do know bands back in the late 80s, early 90s that actually took this around. They took a synth, they took their Coco 3, they set it up, they ran it, and it played the yeah. drums, or whatever, for a one or two-piece band. Yeah. The guys from Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. 
Like the the Tri Lambs. Yeah, Bill Pierce is one who did that. Yeah. Yeah, Tri Lambs from Revenge of the Nerds did that. So. Uh, uh, they just they just showed the uh, <laughs> audio spectrum analyzer. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the biggest accolade I've heard lately, actually, we showed this to Boat a few weeks ago here, and uh, he's a music teacher. That, I mean, that's his job uh, in school, and he was actually quite impressed that the Coco Three was you know performing MIDI stuff at this level, and how well the actual interface, the software interface, was for it as well. So. That's a, that's a plug from somebody who actually knows what he's talking about, unlike me. Jason Reichard's asking to join. Should we admit him? I don't know. Put, put it to a oh. vote. All in favor? Okay. Um, all right. Is that all the news, Curtis? I believe it is. All right. Yep, so, that is it. So we're going to take a break, brief break. We'll be back with project updates and acquisitions, and we'll be talking about a project from... Eric Canales, a development environment for the color computer that he's working on. And I think Henry, no Nick might be chiming in on that. That's the development side. I'll show a little quick something, something I threw there. I wanted to have more time. I just got muted. How the hell did I? Stevie's audio. Yeah, Stevie's audio. I just got muted somehow. It said the host was muted. Okay. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we're going to show some stuff off um, after the break, and we'll talk about project. Brian Weaser's not here, so this these uh, acquisitions probably won't take nine hours this time. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to share screen, share audio. We're going to go to a commercial break, and let's see here. You know what? How about uh, I still got my shortwave? We'll be right back after shortwave, folks. <laughs> We will return after these messages. Cocoa Talk is brought to you in part by Placeblex Dietary Supplement. Placeblex, we think it works, so will you. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. Oh, I remember that Christmas. Dad gave me my first shortwave radio from Radio Shack. What memories. This Christmas, we got our son's color computer three from Radio Shack. It hooks right up to our TV and was on sale for less than $130. The Color Computer 3 makes learning fun. Jimmy even lets me use it for word process. When he isn't playing computer games. Lucky I still got my shortwave. Save $70 on the sale-priced Color Computer 3, only at Radio Shack. Hey, this is Bruce Moore, author of Force of Doom, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Strope. Only the bravest souls enter. Only the most cunning return. Defeat innumerable monsters to ransom the king's scepter stolen by the evil wizard. Your sword, shield, and wits are your only allies. Pray you find a magical inn as your only respite in the forest of doom. For the tiny color computer one, two, and three. November 2017, if you dare. This is Ken Reichard, author of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. And you're experiencing... Coco Talk? Just when you thought it was safe to go back to Coco Fest. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Coco Fest Edition? Still low resolution, still digital to analog converted sound. More machine language. And basic. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. 
now includes the power of Terry to clear the road ahead. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Available as a DVD-ROM with all my past games as an alleged bonus, including my unreleased fourth Rainbow Adventure contest entry. Unreleased for a reason. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Get your physical or digital copy at cancanmakeit.com. Now you've really paid too much. Nick Marionette on Electricity. Crikey! Electricity's a fan. The big market is just open flame. Brought to you by Nitro Stein, Ease of Use Edition. Hashtag OS9 Forever. And that was it. That was it. So we decided to title today's show Superior Programming because we're going to show you um, definitely a way. I have a question where first. we can uh, do that. And Ron Delvaux has a question, everybody. Ron Delvaux, what yeah. is your question? You know, you said superior programming. Now, in our production of this uh, Coco Talk show, uh, do you think we could get a better copy of uh, Radio Shack commercials that aren't so fuzzy? That would be great, but I don't know any. So aren't, I'm, aren't they I'm, out there? Anywhere? The, tr the truth is out Anyone? there, but I'm not sure if better fidelity commercials are out there because they were, you know, probably taken off of people who had them on a cassette tape. So we had a low yeah. fidelity master. VHS. So, yeah. You'd have to try um, to find the masters. VHS somewhere. was only so, 225 lines of resolution. So I would, I think VHS of it, was crap. It's a they're, great they question. They are horrible. Yeah. Well, they, they're the best that we can get considering what's out there on the internet. So. Why don't you, Rondovo, make this your personal crusade to find us, the high-definition masters? <laughs> it's probably because right. they're TV quality. Yeah, TV. Yeah. Yeah, so people have taken VHS copies and then digitized those, analog to digital stuff. But, but yeah, recorded, recorded off air. They, they could be better, but they would mean we'd have to go back to somebody who had a good, clean master tape and do a good, high-definition scan of that. So... If somebody yeah. has those somewhere, then we should definitely do that. But I had to scrape the internet for what I could find. Besides, we're a retro show kind of thing. Yeah, fits. so it's a retro. True. No, good so question. So why don't we make our show real fuzzy, like uh, you were in the beginning when you first yeah. had your background on? Well, our facts <laughs> are still wrong. fuzzy. Don't you so that's what we have lunch with. Yeah. <laughs> really. Yes. All right. Asparagus on that now at this point. Okay. So we are now up to updates and acquisitions. So um, we'll probably save um, uh, Henry and Eric for the end. So did anybody else acquire anything this week uh, that they want to show off? Uh, uh, okay. So Brian, the music man, is waving his hand in the air. Brian. Yes, I am. What? Okay. Can you hear me now? Yep. Yep. Can hear him. All yes. right. Well, let me get to this has been replaced finally. I no longer have to use a solder sucker. Okay, is that that's Curtis's curling iron, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm not gonna show the unit because I got it installed already in my bench net, but I picked up uh, you, you posted this on Facebook, I think, right? So you have a exactly. variable temperature. I, I picked up one of these. So I can now solder and unsolder, hopefully flawlessly. Okay. 
I've already tested it and it works out good. Um, is that even possible? I don't understand the concept. So are you doing flawless 60, soldering? Are you doing 6309 upgrades then? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I have done them in the past, but now I can get back into uh, pull out my uh, repack of my cocoa from way back when. You remember that, uh, Curtis. Yep. And uh, I can get back into that and then I can figure out what the heck is wrong with it, why it doesn't want to boot up. So, okay. Yeah, those things are beautiful. Good luck. <laughs> well, I, I had the full SCSI system and everything in the thing, all in just one nice PC case. Yep. Okay. That's all I got. All right. Well, thank That's you for cool. sharing. That's cool. Yeah. It's got a desolderer. Who else has got something they want to show this week or talk about? I have. I have one update. It's not cocoa related, but uh, so Mikey, first off, how was the news this week? Was it is everything you wanted and more? Oh, <laughs> I, I had a daytime uh, dusting, mopping, you know, not paying any attention, exploring your inner eyelid. Uh... <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, I I haven't uh, been on in probably over a month, uh, but the last two weeks I have had. Uh, Lots of computer problems. I had two computers that have fallen prey to, this is a MacBook Pro. Uh -huh. And let me see if I can show you these wonderful pillows of death. Oh, yeah, that's, the, that's the, the bloating battery syndrome. Poofy bats. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So yeah. this this was my personal machine, yeah. which, uh, which was bit with this. And then my work machine was bit with it. And it yeah. has completely thrown my world, uh, computer world, upside down mm. over here. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, uh, that's the reason why in the last two weeks I really haven't haven't been able to do any programming, blogging, anything. Okay. I mean, I have computers I can use, but you know, when you, when you, your main machine goes down, it sort of like throws you right. all upside down. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah. I can recover just... from this and get back into playing with Nitrous Nine stuff. Get back into uh, Pi Drive Wire. You know, all those kinds of things. MC. We'll, we'll see in the next uh, next couple of weeks. Maybe some RS-232 and some TTL yeah. and uh, some drive wire. Okay. Well, can't you just unplug the battery and use the cord? Uh, no. And being a Mac, the official repairers replaced the case top keyboard, battery, touchpad. Right. And everything is, in between. Which is what they did on my work machine. I was talking to the technician and I'm like, oh, you're going to replace the lid and the keyboard and, and all that stuff. He's like, yep. But... Uh, you know, this, this machine here is just, I converted it to, so it, it absolutely does not run without the battery. Uh, uh, of course, I can plug the power in, but it boots and then it crashes. So right. I've converted oh, this, this machine into a yeah, virtual Apple. machine and, you know, anyway. Yeah, there's like uh, yeah. 17 power buses on that thing, so everything has to be perfect or it won't yeah. boot. <sighs> All right, well, that's my non-Coco non update. Okay. I've, you know, okay. less last two or three weeks been stuck in this loop with all the computers going down one after another neat 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 uh thank you for sharing i had to do that to my dell not too long ago now my dell was not that unibody aluminum case so it, it was plastic and when the battery bloated it actually popped the bottom plastic panel off of the dell laptop by doing that so that was my little indicator oh, that the airbag had deployed you know so yeah <laughs> these machines you know when, nice. they, when they don't rest correctly on the table you know yeah. they they rest pretty pretty nicely on the feet when it feels like it feels a little wobbly and my yeah. table is pretty square it's like uh-oh right so. right <laughs> 
All right. Anyone else have an uh, update or acquisition they would like to share with us? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Going once? Going twice? No? Three times a lady? Okay. So on that note, uh, I'm not sure who wants to go first. Maybe, Eric, do you want to talk about your development environment that you're working on? And then we can do some show and tell as you're talking about it. Um, sure. Sure, I can go first. Um, okay. So off and on, I've been working on this um, Nice, Nice haircut, for... by the way. You're looking very, very stylish. <laughs> stylish. Dapper. Dapper, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've been working on this project off and on for a few months, maybe maybe even years now. And uh, it's kind of getting to the point where we can start using it uh, for everyday use. I've been using it for my personal use. But um, here, let me see if I can share the screen. I'll stop sharing just in case. And, and we should also point out that uh, well, some of us are aware you've been talking about this, but you actually showed this off on last month's Glenside meeting when we started doing the hour of uh, demos before the meeting, which was a great idea. So I got to, we got to see this in a demo at the Glenside meeting last month. Okay. Ooh, look at this. Look at this. That looks like assembly language. To the, can you guys still see yeah, it? Yeah, I see the FCBs yeah. in there. Great, great. So, uh, yeah, this, this is assembly. Um, it can also do basic, uh, color coded. It's got a console here, um, but it it automatically runs MAME for you and compiles it. It runs it with the debugger, loads it for you. And so, okay, so we don't see MAME coming up yet. That might need to be dragged into a screen. I'm not sure if you're sharing just an app or if you're sharing an entire screen. So, so okay. far, we just me... see the, um, the, uh, the source code still. Yeah, let's try sharing the whole screen here. A whole new world. Oh, it's a whole new screen. A whole new screen. You might have to stop and restart sharing because you're still sharing yeah. the one thing. Not sure how to stop. All right, I'll stop it for you. Okay, no I've stopped your sharing. All right, so now you're seeing. Okay, now we see the Stargate. Okay, now I see the uh, editor. Okay. Right there's the source code. You guys out of the way. All right, so we're gonna run it. I can press uh, compile and run. It compiles in an LWASM, runs it in MAME. And it brings up the debugger. the debugger for me. And it does a load M and an exec. And that's, okay. that's what it's supposed to do. Okay, and so that's you, just, you loaded that's the it. screen with a bunch of data. Yeah. All I yeah, know so is it's got, pretty. I'd wear that got, as a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's got tons of options. Uh, you get, you know, full theming capability, including a Coco theme. Which I like. Yeah. yeah. Um, full full LWASM support, so you don't have to mess with any uh, command line. Well, maybe, maybe if you want that. Um, it uses image tools to build the disk for you, which runs automatically after the compiler runs it. Uh, throws it into MAME. You can select whatever MAME options you want. 
know, one screen, two screens for uh, the Coco 3. Um, you can choose any computer system here on the list or, or just find your own ROM to run. Uh, and then there's more options, floppies, ROM Orchestra part. 90, uh, floppy disk. Yeah, yep, uh, Orc 90. <laughs> All this stuff 90. Now, do you have an eight-slot MPI we can put on this for any chance? Or? Mm, well, I don't think MAME supports an eight-slot <laughs> David Ladd would like that. Uh, so if you want that support, you've got to talk to the MAME guys. <laughs> um, you can uh, change the uh, the auto-boot command, so you can... Right, that's like the post-load in the... So if you're editing a basic program, you could just take yeah, which is I'll, I'll show I'll show mine and when he's done uh, yeah so yeah I've I've set mine up to run basic just as a kind of show that it worked type thing um, yeah. yeah and uh, there's a lot more features coming I plan to uh, to have little pop-ups you know telling you about the FCB command when you're over here you know maybe down in the status bar it'll tell you like what the parameters are and and that sort of thing so it's just just to help you, you know, program. And I found some of the other IDs a lot more complicated to use. I, I like to program, hit F5, and just have it run. So that's what I built. So this is kind of like an editor, assembler, emulator, all in one. Yeah, it's, so well, it's an integrated it. development environment. So yeah. everything's integrated. Um, it automatically installs it for you, too. So if if you get this out of the box, you know, it doesn't obviously it doesn't ship with MAME and LW tools. You got to install those. So I built little wizards to help you install it and configure it in a way that the ID kind of likes. Um, but it's still, That'd be nice because you know, a lot of people have been trying to just download MAME raw and they're they're new to the Coco, new to MAME type thing, and they're getting hopelessly lost trying to do this. Yeah, yeah. And this, this runs MAME, uh, runs the installer, puts it where the editor kind of likes it. Um, let's you do uh, the ROMs next. So I'll show you. I'll show you that process. Right. So it downloads Mame, and then it downloads the, all the Coco ROMs from the archive. Right. 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 So that the the nice thing I found about this is that where where I have created some development environments and processes, but you had to. You know, you had to go out of your way to get MAME installed and get MAME set up. And then you had to get the LW tools and the um, tool sheds, and you had to download all those and put those all together, which is not, it's not an impossible task, but there's like, you know, a handful of things that you have to kind of get and assimilate in order to start developing. And so what Eric has done here is he's kind of made a lot, that barrier to entry a lot lower because his tool will download all the tools you need for you and bring them all in. So it's very wizardy point and clicky next next nexty if you're used to doing windows type stuff this gets you up and going with you don't have to really know what's going on under the hood it just does it for you so you can just focus on writing code and testing it on an emulator which is pretty nice yeah that's that's the idea just you, you run it and you're you're good to go ease um, of use I would ease of it. use yes yep. Yep. ease of use ease of the e-o-u-i-d-e there's your name right there <laughs> no, this is, that wouldn't this be is confusing a, at all. No. <laughs> we, we expect licensing fees for that. Six dev oh nine. <laughs> yep, this is six dev oh nine. I've uh, I came up with a website, um, so you can um, you can't buy it yet, but you can sign up for the newsletter. It's at uh, playpi.net. So that's p l a y p i dot net. And we started a Discord channel for this, so if people have questions, they will get. Yeah, and so that was kind of one of my, I tried another IDE as well that I actually paid for, 
and it was it was not easy for me to figure out. I'm not saying it couldn't have been figured out, but I'm a kind of person who's very quick to throw his hands up in the air. So the minute things started to become a pain in the ass, I'm like, F it, I'm not using this POS, and I moved on, right? So what you've done is you've made this very Steve-friendly, where I don't have to understand anything. I can just press a few buttons, be up and running, and um, and go. So yeah. Yeah, and you know it's it's very simple. There's not a whole lot going on here. I do plan to add more uh, as time goes by. You know, so you can run your custom tools, maybe a little more um, clarity on configuration. Um, yeah, like things. go go back to the emulation options for a second, and just just as an example uh, under emulation. So that post, uh, yeah. So the auto boot command there, which is only has one option. So right now that is kind of hard coded to run an assembly based program. I would love to see this where you can have a few options and either either drop down or just check the ones you want. So I could have stuff for assembling and basicing. Um, right. and, and so in the meantime, I think I'll put in two and just remark one out. But that would be a neat way to, as you know, just have that be a checkbox or a drop down to choose what yep, you want. Yep, absolutely. Posts. And that's that's what this workflow does up here, and uh, it's not quite complete yet. But eventually, you'll be able to choose, you know, basic assembler. Oh, or okay. So you have any, different workflow anything. options. Yeah, anything you want. So, so I'll probably hard code a few so that you can start somewhere, and then. Um, you can have as many as you want, a you know, hundred of these if you want, uh, all for different projects you're working on or whatever. Oh, so you can and be it, working it on different games and have different custom disk image names yeah. for each one in the whole nine yards, right? Yep, it changes every setting in here to whatever whatever you've specified. Okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah, there's a the different way of skinning the same cat. So uh, I see yep. what you're saying there. Yeah. No, but I, I unfortunately, I've been so busy, I haven't had time to play with it, and I wanted to do a little bit more of a robust proof of concept of just showing what you can do on the basic side of things. And whenever, you know, whenever you, you're ready, I'll show you the, the, the same tool, just doing a basic program. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. And, uh, and the thing I do want to show off is your, um, the thing where you can kind of create your own commands. You know, I thought that was cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's take a look at what you okay. got. So uh, let's just change this view here. Gallery view. Let me spotlight. Uh, I guess it kind of doesn't matter here. I'm just going to bring it over. Okay, so what I'm bringing over here is the um, tool. Okay, and and oh shit, because of the way I have the thing set up. And uh, okay, all right. So can you guys see the tool? I don't Ooh. see. It. Um, see I, I see nothing. Oh, because I'm not sharing my screen to you guys. That would help. All right. So how the hell do I do that? <laughs> That's real carefully didn't answer that question. Yeah, so I need to share this screen. Okay, and let me go back to the dev tool. Let me find it. All right, can you guys see it now? Yes. Okay, so this is a real simple two or three lines of programs. But um, the thing that I like that he came up with is this define command. So with, yeah. with the define so command, go ahead, Eric. Well, just to explain it, it's a pre-compiler, so uh, it'll it'll compile it into BASIC. So go go ahead, Stevie. Yeah, so the way I looked at this is that the define command, I could use this one of two ways. I could use it to almost create up create my own syntax. 
So in this case here, I defined a command called noise, and I said noise equals, and then I created a play statement, right? So let's say I wanted to create whatever the play command was to make a laser sound or an explosion sound. I could say laser equals play, blah, blah, blah. Explosion equals play, blah, 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 blah. And then in my code, I could just say noise or laser or explosion as if it was like a command and just call that command. And then once it got you know, repost compiled down to the basic source code, it would be replaced with the actual play command, right? But for me to write my software, I could get into a pseudo English way of doing that. Um, the other thing too, is that this doesn't require you to have a line number for every line number, just your first line number. Everything else you don't have to number because those will get uh, dynamically assigned as it's getting compiled. But I could also um, if I wanted to create like a, a label heading, like if I had a routine that um, cleared the screen or did a get put or a p copy, I could just say define, um, um, uh, I'm just going to say spaceship, define spaceship equals, and it was an underscore C line. Yeah. And then, the and then, so this is going to dynamically pick whatever the current line number this is. And I could create a whole routine here that's called spaceship. And then, and then end that with return. And then somewhere up here in my code, I could just say go sub spaceship and like calling a label, like we're more used to doing a modern languages, right? So, um, but in this case here, this program is not doing much. I'm printing Eric rules and I'm making noise and then I'm repeating, right? So, and, but I just, I'm showing you an example of how I can define this noise statement here to play something. So as soon as I, was it this F5? Okay, and then of course I got to bring it over. Well, we, we I think it. we can see it. Yeah, we see it. Well, you guys can see it, but um, nobody else can because it's not on the screen that's going out to the stream. All right. So this is it here, right? And and when you list it out now, see that line eleven, line eleven and twelve weren't in on my source code. They got you know assigned, and that thing I defined as the command noise. That got that word noise got substituted with what I actually defined it to, right? So, it's kind of a neat way to make your source code a little bit more high level and more kind of uh, humanish, and then it just gets translated back down to normal deck B type stuff. So I thought that was it's kind, kind of, of a neat. define or a macro. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. You can label things, you can macro things. Um, so, um, yep. but this is an, an an interesting way to to develop for assembly or basic. Uh, you know, because there's not a lot of quote unquote basic development environments. You know, most of the development environments are really geared to people who are assembling. So the fact that there's one for somebody who wants to write in basic and don't, you don't want to have to limit yourself to the 32 column screen and the edit command and all that nightmare of actually trying to hand code basic on a Cocoa. I mean, we did it when we had to back in the day and we were happy. But, I mean, who wants to do that shit on purpose now, right? It's like, uh, you know, there's running water and there's electricity, there's plumbing, there's all these conveniences that we have now. So to intentionally crap in the woods when you don't have to, to me, makes no sense, you know? So um, so I think this is neat. I'm, I know I'm not really doing it justice, but I will be using this more often. And, and from what Eric was telling me, this is not even tokenizing anything, right? So... I could see you using this to even write for the MC10 because it creates a file that's basically an ASCII-based file. So you could create a, a basic file. You could write out MC10 code in here, save it to your basic file, and then just copy that over either over your MC server if you want to do it that way or copy it to your SD card if you want to do it over the uh, MCX32. 
So another tool for writing code in that you could run on not only the Cocoa but maybe other machines because the, the files that get created are um, pretty, um, you know, pretty easy to, to read by just about anything, right? So, so Eric, do you, have, do you have plans to extend this to running with Nitrous 9 too if you wanted to actually have it boot up a Nitrous 9 image and you can set it up now, you know, that it automatically gets the time clock and all that stuff so you don't have to type anything and it'll go straight to a shell prompt. And then you could fire up like the C compiler or Firebase Quinine or whatever and load things that way? I don't see why you couldn't do that. Um, you know, everything that's in the options, um, as long as you set it up for Nitrous 9, it should be fine. So if, if you wanted to provide an image, I could ship the image with the editor. Or, yeah, you know, yeah, just grab whatever the current ease of use is and feel free to distribute it. So, yeah, yeah, I could make a wizard for it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And I'm not sure how this is affecting the outside world, but I'm starting to get some drop frames and stuff like that. So I don't know how people watching the stream are going to be experiencing this, but the show will continue to go on and we'll just pray for the best. Um, and it's looking like, well, I mean, we're still seeing things. It's looking on okay Twitch. on Twitch right now. I'm just okay. watching it live. So. I'm getting some warnings on uh, on YouTube that it's not receiving enough Video. Is this the internet's way of calling asparagus on our show? Yes, possibly. So, <laughs> you had um, to say something about no frames being lost. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, hopefully more more to come on that. Not only what Eric's going to be doing with it, but hopefully what uh, when people get it in their hands, what they will start to do with it as well. It is currently only available for Windows, but it can be available for other platforms, right, Eric? Yep. Uh, Mac and Linux are possible. Um, it'll take a little bit of doing so it won't come out right away but that's that's the plan do you have to uh do you have to use any type of different like libraries or coding techniques to use that on like say linux or mac OS? no I, it's being developed in a language called pure basic and it natively supports linux and mac um, but there are a few windows only calls that i'm making so i'm gonna have to Translate i'm gonna have to like port them over yeah okay probably like with the installers and such right well, the installers, yeah, I'll have to figure out that. And like um, default paths to where home well, folders would be. Yeah, the default paths uh, should be okay. Um, things like copying, pasting are a little funny on Pure Basic, so I have to use Windows calls for that. And, and I'm going to have to uh, figure out how that works on Linux. And then some of the, you know, some of the way the widgets are displayed may not look right on Linux, so I'll have to test each, each uh, window and make sure it it displays now, do you have access to Mac and Linux machines to test this on? Well, Linux machines. I don't use Mac, so I'll have to figure that out. As uh, I well, I have an older Mac, so I could test it. And Curtis, I'm sure we have a lot of people here like Curtis and Mikey and stuff. So if you need somebody to test it on a Mac, we have people. I was just going to say, Mikey can ship you a Mac. It's a little bit fatter than normal. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure you can have some people out here who could help you you know, run test versions on different OSs. Yeah, and once you know, once I got it working on Linux, I'm sure it'll just work out of the box on Mac. But I'll need some way to compile it on Mac, so I might enlist you guys. Cool, cool. And then um, Henry, was there some stuff you wanted to talk about on the development side of things? No, not really. I was I was more interested in what Eric was doing on that um, because looking at that IDE is, I mean, that's that's a very pretty IDE. I'm. As far as development goes, the only thing that I'm really uh, that I've really been doing is just setting up a Linux and my Linux environment to do that and do everything command line. 
if that's something that interests people, I can talk about it. I don't know if anybody has any questions about that. That's similar like what Paul Fiscarelli did with Long Branch Never. He used um, Notepad++ as the editor and then created like an XML plugin for the syntax highlighting. And then that got passed over through LW Tools and stuff and LW Asm. Then it got passed over to MAME. So it was a couple of scripts that ran, um, but it was a fairly easy process. And his first video walked you through setting up that environment and that process. So I, I have used that. And I know probably more Linuxy people are probably used to doing a lot of things from the command line. You know, this editor launches that editor, and you know, this script launches that script. But yeah, if you want to maybe just break down the pieces of it, and like, you know, you start with your editor, and then you know, I run this through. Are you? I'm assuming you're still using something like uh, LWASM or Disk Tools. Um, I'm or? actually using uh, ASM sixty eight oh nine. Now I am okay. using the I am using like the Image Tool tool chain from Mame. Okay. Um, but LWASM, I actually didn't get uh, get. That wasn't the first thing I saw because the first, the first uh, emulator I saw was that that I knew I could make run quickly was XWorm. Right. Okay. So, wound up having to figure wound up having to figure out Mame. In order. Well, do you, to do can you that. like do a screen share? Maybe just show us like yeah, the process, sure. like go from uh, source code to emulated. Yeah, I can do that. Where yeah. did the but? Oh, come on. There's participants chat share screen. There's the button. You cannot share it sharing screen. Oh, okay. Let me. No, I will stop sharing screen. Sorry about okay. that. Okay. So let me click that button yeah. again. And, and so we screen. should probably preface this the same way we say there's no wrong way to Cocoa. There's no wrong way to develop. There's lots of ways, and everybody's right. got their way, but we're just presenting you with. Okay. Let me get some of this here. stuff out of the way. So probably like the first thing that the first thing that I was doing, um, Control Q that, Control W that. I've got so many windows open right now. Wow. But yeah, this is obviously um, the where I'm where I'm looking at the color computer archive. That's the right. starting point for just about everything. Um, but I wound up going to I think I actually did an apt get installed. I'm running a Debian installation uh -huh. or Debian based installation. I'm actually Ubuntu, so I think I was able to apt get install. Let's try sudoing that. Let's. Uh, Let's see. Xroar is actually in the uh, in the distribution in the distribution <laughs> That's area. That's awesome. So I'm able to just sudo apt get install Xroar and it and it works pretty much out of the box. Um, in getting Xroar in there, the biggest problem that I had was getting the ROMs to work. So GoTo is a little script that I've written, um, and I have a crazy path name for that. But what I wound up doing just to get the ROMs to work is I downloaded the ROMs. And just like it's basically 14 disk 11 extended basic 11. Yeah, just put them right there in whatever I'm doing. And now I can just do no, you know, I go ahead and set this up. Now, if you're not familiar with the Linux terminal uh, or with it with like uh, the Linux command line, uh, what I did there was a control R to do a reverse search. And I know that I started the command with no hub. So this will bring up XROAR and it's got all, everything already set there. I don't need to, oh no, let me go ahead and what was that? Uh, yeah, this is a little matrix thing that I wrote and let's see if it actually brings it up. Nope, it didn't, it broke. But yeah, it brings up X. <laughs> I like it that little uh, shaky effect too when you dragged it across yeah, the screen. This is, the... the funny thing is that's actually become because um, the Linux desktop has had like wobbly windows available through one of the compositors for over a decade. And this has become a usability thing for me. It's like windows looks weird when I use it because the windows don't wobble. <laughs> right, right. 
So it's like an inertia yeah, effect. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, so the in doing that, once I've got that, uh, let me go to. So what are you using for your editor? I am using well, the Kate the Kate Advanced Text Editor, or or also known as Kate. Okay. Um. So does it offer syntax highlighting? Yes, it does. And I actually went through and rewrote the syntax highlighting for that. I do know. And there's a lot of plugins for different ones, like Notepad++ yeah. and uh, Atom, A-T-O-M, I think is another one that offers that. Yep. And Kate is my favorite text editor by far. Um, Mine is the Karen from Facebook text editor. Yeah, true. Um, where did it go? Matrix. Nine tab completion is my is a joy of my life. So yeah, so I've got full syntax highlighting, you know, from pulling things up. I can have and with Kate there, I also have a terminal window down here. So if I do need to go ahead and assemble oh, something, nice. nice, yeah, yeah, I go ahead and nice. You're one of those literally yeah. Linux savvy type people. Yeah, and I mean. I, I grew up on I grew up on a cocoa. <laughs> and, and you're probably hearing my machine gun typing. Yeah, it, are you doing thing. a two finger yeah. typing too? Or, no, uh, no, it's full four fingers. <laughs> but here's the thing: the reason that my my typing is so like hard is because I learned to type on the cocoa, on the cocoa on the one yes. original yes. chiclet. Oh. You had to beat Bang, some sensor to the keyboard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, good thing you didn't just... have Atari 400. You have to use a hammer and a chisel. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, right. Tell me about uh, it. Timex 1000, man. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one's pretty uh, bad. Can't, so Karen, who's the author of x says for him, it's Vim forever. There's a lot of folks. There's a lot of folks who um, who swear by them, and I can't say that I blame them for swearing by them. Um, they're those We're who swear them. by. We're swearing at it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Trust me, I've sworn at it. But yeah, there's the way the different the different text editors that are, that are available for it. I like Kate because it's very very flexible. I mean, you saw so, where I had two editing windows open at the same time. I can make that as many as I don't. VI, we're getting Nick. Uh, <laughs> we're yeah. saying VI. Yeah. So, and, hey. Uh, okay. So, so all I gotta so say bike. is Space Cadet keyboard and Emacs. <laughs> Emacs. Is, is, does Kate mean a KDE-based program? Where you yes, it, it is a KDE-based program. Yep. It's Isn't a KDE. It KDE is advanced a, text editor. Yep. It, it's much. a windowing. <laughs> KDE is a windowing system yeah. and then yeah. the libraries behind it and so forth. So yeah. you can only run Kate if you have KDE or if you're willing to load KDE on top of whatever else you're running. Well, so you don't have to load the the operating well, the, environment. You just right. have to load the you just have to load the uh, yeah. library dependencies. And so having those there it's not that big of a deal. It clashes with GNOME, um, but my operating Who environment Who knew that would happen? <laughs> the what? Well, my laptop's so crappy. I run XFCE, so yeah, XFCE is my base desktop. Um, because I'm running actually my what I'm running here is Ubuntu Studio, um, 18.04. That's XFCE. Mm, cool. Wow. Yeah. Well, my broker is EF Hutton. Oh. <laughs> I have I have one more thing to add to uh, editor talk. Uh, okay. Maybe you guys know that the. Uh, and this is Coco related. TS Edit is actually VI for the Coco. Okay. Or pretty darn oh. close to it. Oh, yeah, yeah it is. Ain't pretty that close. A peach. 
Well, listen, so. I remember using Edlin and DOS. I remember using that. Oh, God. Um, you know, so I never That's did. edited in, in OS 9. Yeah, cool. okay. So <laughs> no news is good news, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. I've heard it pronounced Gnome. I've heard it pronounced Gnome. Gnome. When it Gnome. comes to all the Gnu, like, Gnu. the Gnu yeah. Foundation the Gnu stuff, Foundation it's like, do you Gnome. pronounce the G or do you not? It's like <laughs> Gip and Jif. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. So so you're using that editor and then you're just running a script to take your ASM code and getting that um, built over to pop up on the emulator. Yeah. So it's not even, it's not even that I'm using a script. It's that, uh, let me get this so. Let me get that back open again. I closed it. But um, like if I, uh, uh, Cocoa Hackery, I'm literally using the command line. Right. Uh, where are you? You're not you there. Talk a little bit slower because your computer yeah, can't keep abusing up. Abusing it. <laughs> ah, I forgot my directory structure. Okay, ASM test, SPRNG. Okay, so like if I'm doing the little matrix thing, um, AS, it's ASM 6809. It's not even a script to uh, to um, compile it. It's literally, I'm using the .6809 extension to, okay, to show for it's your source code. for my source code. And then make a Cocoa binary as compared to making a raw binary. Mm -hmm. um, so that's going to be a do an RS DOS binary. Um, listing file is going to be matrix .lst, and then my output file is going to be matrix .bin. Okay, and then then you just XROR that. Yep. And that opens that up. And then on XROR, I can just do a control L. It's a load. And matrix stuff's up in. I there love the goes. wiggle effect. And there's your matrix is. keyboard. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. cool. So, I mean, now you created this whole environment for yourself. So obviously, you know what the hell you're doing. Matter of fact, this is probably one of the most secure ways to do it because nobody else could walk <laughs> into this computer and have a freaking clue on what to do or how to do it. But well, that, I mean, that just goes to show, and you know, you, anybody can make the way they want to edit. and You and can personalize stuff. it to your heart's yeah, content. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's really cool. And um, that is definitely a very highly sophisticated way of doing it. And I, th I think that a nice compromise between that would be the long branch never way of doing things. And um, I know Rick Adams has one that he does. And there are some people who are what they're doing is they're, um, they're developing on the Raspberry Pi that's already running DriveWire. And they'll run their editor on the Pi, like which is what Rick Adams does. And then he runs the thing to make the binary, which then creates a drive wire disk that's already mounted on a real cocoa and then he runs it on the cocoa so he'll do his editing and assembling and making on the pi which is a linux and then push it over to a virtual disk via drive wire which is being hosted on the pi and running it on real hardware so you can edit to hardware edit to an emulator um, a lot of different ways to do it there's no wrong way to do it um, i you know i am not tech savvy i'm not a cli kind of guy i have no shame in admitting that you know i i, I respect the people who have that power and, and do that. Um, I know how to do it. There's a lot of things I, that I know how to do and I could do, but I just don't. 
because that's me. I'm a lazy SOB. So if I don't have to, then I'm not going to, right? So that's just me. But I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying I'm right or anything else. It's it's preference. And so uh, I'm a big fan of, of less is more when it comes to the amount of steps I need to take to get something done. And so I like what Eric is doing now in this area. But I've done some hybrids. I've done the other one where I had to run Notepad++ and then you know, run a few scripts and I was able to cut, I, because I still remember batch files from the days of DOS, I can work a script. I can do that and I will, but I won't do it all the time and I won't do it on purpose unless I have to, you know, because yep. that, that's just me, you know. Yeah, so. and that's also why I'm looking forward to uh, when Eric can go ahead and do a release on Linux because I really want to try this and see, and see how well it works, see what kind of usability things I run into. Yeah, yeah, yeah and you know, I wrote it because I didn't want to write scripts. And if I was going to write a script, I might as well write an editor. So that's what right. I did. <laughs> there you go. But isn't oh, that yeah. interesting that, you know, and you know, like George Lucas is a good example of this. He needed to get things done. So he created things that didn't exist to help him create something else. So he created like how to edit and he created visual effects companies and he created, he created all the different modules he needed to, to do his project, you know? And so I think that's what people do in hardware and software and stuff too. You create libraries, you create tools, you create things. You got to create a thing to be able to create the other thing that you want to make, right? So I don't think that's an uncommon um, theme there. So um, your process... You get old-fashioned traditionalists like me and Nick Marini. We got to do yeah. it on the original hardware with the original software editors we had. Yeah. In my hey, day, no 6309. Yeah. In my day, hey, I got I out a pickaxe and I chopped up the silicone and ground it into chips myself. So, <laughs> Curtis, <laughs> when is the Ed Tasm release of uh, Nitrous Nine coming. <laughs> Ed Tasm. What is that? EDTASM. Uh-huh. We have oh. Asm, we have RMA, we don't need no stinking Ed Tasm. Yeah. So right. so yeah, I think I think I, I'm I like what Eric's doing. And I and listen, okay. different folks are different strokes. There might be some people that say, Yeah, I like what Eric's doing, but that's gonna be an assault on my manhood and I am not gonna do it because you know, damn it, I know how to keyboard and I'm gonna keyboard, damn it, you're not gonna change me. And that's fine. There's no wrong way to develop, there's no wrong way to cocoa, but it's nice to have um, options, right? Yeah, and to be honest, I mean, I use a mixed environment too. I use Notepad++ on larger projects and then other stuff that's smaller, I'll just do it right on the cocoa itself because it's, it's quicker right. than going back yeah. and forth, I just do it. Funnily enough, it's actually easier for me to code in basic on the Cocoa than it is for me to do it in a hybrid environment. Uh, I just find now dealing with that 32 by 16 screen. Now, I guess I could if I'm a Cocoa 3, I could do a, you know with 40 or with 80 or something. But still, having to deal with those screens and that edit command is not a fan. It's like once you realize that there is something better and easier out there, uh, I mean, to me, working smarter doesn't make you a wuss, you know what I mean? And so, so some people might not agree with that, but I'm, I'm a fan of working smarter, not harder, you know, so. Well, yeah, that's that's exactly one of my mo my mottos. I just said this to some of my coworkers the other day, work smarter, not harder. Yeah, yeah, and that's, and work, working with computers kind of trains your brain to find, to think efficiently and find efficient ways to do things. The longer you spend working in the digital world, the more you try to bring that out to the real world too. How can I op optimize and minimize and efficientize what I'm doing here? And so that's yeah, kind of what yeah. I like to do. Yeah, I do that every day uh, there, Steve. Yeah. Now, at work, I use the acronym, or not acronym, the saying, um, efficient, Oh darn! I can't even remember what I used. 
Not a very efficient yeah. ac- acronym, is it? Okay, yeah, exa- exactly. E- efficient laziness. Efficient laziness. Efficient yes. laziness. That's a go. good one. Like exactly. That. There's another way, way of saying it, but uh, that's what I do at work. Yeah. I, I, I All the toolkits and stuff I do build at work for uh, the tax practice that I'm in, uh, it does all the work for me. I don't do the work. The toolkits do. Right, so. yeah, it's like Frederick uh, saying now on Facebook. Yeah. I like I like dot matrix printers, but I'll never use them again because modern <laughs> printers are better. So. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to. I, I kind of want to get myself a line printer seven because again, that's what I had as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I've got now, ribbons. I um, there was there was something else that I was thinking about, and I gosh um. Was a TP10 emulator that just came out as well? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I just there there are so many ways to do things. I I don't like to use the word right, wrong, best, worst because it's all it's all you it's know, all relative to the it's all relative to the person, and and what they like, or um you you know if somebody listen let's say somebody's you know I, I'm not I'm not this whole ease of use is makes you a pansy. Uh, mentality because let's say somebody they used a cocoa back in the day and they just they like typing in basic so okay well there's a lot of different ways you could create a basic development environment and there's some complicated ways and there's an easy way and if you just want to code then here's an option that is fairly easy to set up and let you start coding and running it in an emulator so that doesn't mean you're any more or less of a of a cocoa enthusiast it's just the choice you made that was got you up and running the least amount of trouble um, there's, there's, there's lots of different emulators to choose. And a lot of people are going to choose VCC because it's, it, you, it, you, you double click it and it works, right? You don't have to install ROMs. You don't have to do this. It doesn't mean that that's a better or worse emulator than other emulators. The fact that some things require a few steps doesn't mean that they suck or, and the, is this one harder to use or more, more difficult to set up? It's all relative. Um, but yeah, some of the things we had to do back in the day, we had to do things the hard way because that was the only way, right? But now that we're in the 21st century, there's lots of hybrid ways to do things. And it's, you're going to end up gravitating to the one that's um, sometimes just like some people, hey, I love the keyboard. I love doing this stuff. And yeah, I could do it. Some people would be the opposite of me. I could do a GUI, but I like doing the CLI. I like doing the autocomplete. I like doing this and, and that's fine. And that's because that's your preference. And you go ahead and you do that. And you, you develop that way. Um, and I'm the opposite of that where I, I could do that, but I would prefer to double click, you know. So somewhere in the middle lies what people are going to do that's the best for them on you know, how it's yeah. good. In my case, like a lot of the development tools I use, which are natively on the Cocoa, um, particularly the Nitrous 9 ones, is because it's muscle memory. I mean, I did that for so long. Right, right, right. That right. Even after being away 15 years, I came back. It was just like, bang, I had everything right back. I remembered all the little hidden tricks and commands and stuff. Right. Whereas if I have to start an entirely new environment, I have to totally learn right, from scratch. Right, right. I and could be spending that time coding. Right. right. And that's like some people ask me, hey, would you, have you ever tried a basic compiler? I'm like, I don't know, because now I have to figure out how to do basic differently. And if I'm going to do that, I still need to learn assembly. So why am I going to waste my time now? learning how to write basic for this compiler when I really should be moving over to learning assembly anyway. So I just kind of didn't want to learn a whole new way to basic, you know, with a basic compiler. So, um, so does anyone share this? If I'm doing Cocoa stuff, if I'm sitting in front of a physical Cocoa, it's much easier for me to remember how to do it 
Yes. And if I'm in front of an emulator. Uh, that is true for me, too. Because of the muscle memory on the keyboard and stuff like that? And or? Yeah, there's the normal keyboard with the quote in the right place. Right, and... right. The quotes on the shift uh, two and the, the yeah. at sign and, and things are where well, you... And so, so I can see, remember uh, how the display command works. And, you know. Yeah, the muscle memory comes back as the keys are in the right spot. If you have to sit there and look at the keyboard and think about, okay, right, that you got think, remapped well, over here, yeah, yeah, then you yeah. kind of forget, what was that syntax I was trying to use again? Yeah. yeah. In, in fact, I think I told Curtis once, I fired a window without knowing how. <laughs> I <just laughs> typed it in and it came, W7 yeah. came up and it was good. You that, know that's exactly what that. happened when I came back after the 15-year break from Nitrous 9. It was like it was like old homie. I had to relearn a lot of stuff. They changed Nitrous 9 over the time. Don't get me wrong. That was a bit of a, a cliff to climb over, but uh, a lot of the muscle memory came back. What, what we need is a uh, cartridge that will plug your Coco into USB, and you can use your Coco like a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Well, we do have, uh, Paul Fiscarelli has the Coco keyboard to USB adapter, where if you have a spare Coco keyboard, you can adapt that to become a USB keyboard to run on an emulator or a PC. Or, or one of Ed Snyder's yeah, replacement keys. Yeah. Or an yeah, Raspberry Pi, whatever. So, uh, cool. Yeah, good, discuss good discussion. Um, yeah, there's no wrong way to, to do your hobby, right? You're going to do it how you, at what yeah, whatever works best for you. Whatever works best for you, and then... Uh, I am not one who usually likes to jump too far outside of my comfort zones either. I like to, if this has been working, then it's going to stay working. And, and, and even though I'm a fan of, of, of working smarter, if I have to work a little bit at learning a smarter way to work, that still works. So I probably won't do that. So I'll just if, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, you know, so eventually you get to that point where this, I know how to do what I need to do and it works for me. So I'm going to keep doing it that way. Right. So, um, but one of the things I love in talking to everybody, too, is that you have all these different perspectives on how to do things and you glean little slices of stuff. And eventually you bring some of that into your own kind of mosaic and make your own little quilt the way you want it. And um, so I've definitely changed my way of doing things as I've been exposed to more things. So uh, good stuff. Uh, anything else we need to talk about or was we think we put a good old fork in this one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, how about we'll we'll run the outro and then we'll come back for final final thoughts, just in case you think of something in the next two minutes. So I will share the screen so you guys can hear that, and we'll be back with final thoughts after these words, everybody. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, cocotalk.live. Cocotalk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Alan Murphy, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Curtis Boyle, D. Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Ladd, Eric Canales, Grant Leedy, James Diffendaffer, Jason Reichert, Jim Brain, Ken Reichert, Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave 6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, 
Rick Eulin, Rob Inman, Rondell Vaux, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many more. Please help support the Coco community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T.com. The original Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever, people! A face that only a mother could love. Ooh. <laughs> well, good show today. And, and Frederick Provincia also says, good discussion, guys. Thank you. Uh, Chris Korn says, run a series terminal emulator on the Coco to a Linux PC so you can type on the Coco keyboard. That's true. That's an option right there. Right? Right. So, Sounds like fun. <laughs> yes. EOU is really good. Thanks, L. Curtis. That's from Chuck Allison. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, uh, so good good show guys that was fun nice little discussions impromptu discussions there Al Curtis Boyle any parting thoughts things you want to share with your fans at home uh, no just you know develop whatever way works best for you if you're a developer that's just because uh, there's uh, no wrong way as you said absolutely and Henry thanks for being here on your first show you did extremely well for your first Thank time you. out of the gate yeah you uh, by the way who invited Henry I didn't know who to send the toaster to who was uh <laughs> i think i found you somehow on google okay well i know you sent me a dm today about being on the show but you've been on our discord for a while yeah i can't remember yeah. where i found where i found the link but okay. i found the link somewhere yeah we're sorry yeah but, but thanks for being <laughs> here by accident. thanks for being here henry and feel free to, to to join in the future cool. eric canales thank you and um, thanks for your development environment which i hope to play with more and i, I haven't done anything assembly wise but as i start to assemble now i'll just be using your tool to assemble so because i have yeah one. yes yeah just let me know uh if you find any bugs yeah and <laughs> brian the shoe bring brian the shoe bring brian the music man shoe bring thank you for being here and thanks for showing us off ultimuse thanks thank you thank you I appreciate being here and all that and meeting all with my Coco buddies. Absolutely. Did, uh, and anybody have any parting thoughts? Anything you want to impart before we go? Anyone? Mikey, thanks for being here. Coco Pie Forever. Coco Pie Forever. That's becoming my new favorite toy. Uh, I like okay. hardware. I like, like what Rick Eulin's saying. He His muscle memory works best on real hardware. But for me, since I mostly just play, I don't do a lot of work, I like playing on the Coco Pie. It's just easy to kind of get up and running on that um rick thanks for being here pleasure as always mark b thank you any parting thoughts for you nope they've parted now your cat's name is motorola right eric 
This one's Hitachi. Oh, that's yeah. Hitachi. Yeah, Hitachi, Hitachi and Motorola. Okay. So, Jason, the Coco Man Riker, it's a lovely Sarah with you. Oh, she is. Sarah. Oh, Sarah, make me a sandwich. Make you a sandwich. Make me a sandwich. Nick Morona. Nick Morona, thank you for game on, as always. Thank you, and thanks again for all the participants this past week. Yeah, good week on Zaxxon. Thank you, Alan Murphy, for being here. And last but not least, as always, a big old crikey Vegemite. Thank you to Nick Morentes. Thank you very much. Yeah, Nick's a big star now. Famed uh, game author in Yes, he is a big star. And to everybody watching us, AC's 8-Bit Zone and Kevin Holloway and Chris Korn, Paco Otakde. Kevin Holloway, Garrett Reynolds, and Chris Korn, and Frederick D. Provincia, and Mr. Dave, and James Jones, and Sixie, and Chuck Allison is out there, and Nick Morona, and Daddy Burrito, and Sixie, and Torsten, and uh, Tom Eric Gunderson, and Rick Eulen, and, and all kinds of people watching us today. We appreciate you watching us each and every week. We want to say thank you, and we're sorry. Say goodbye, everybody. We're sorry. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody.